0: Just to be totally transparent, I get the wicked shits when I drink beer. I don't know if I have, like, gluten allergy or something, but whenever I drink beer the next day, I have freaking
1: mud butt.
2: Episode 440.
1: There's already, like, 7 million podcasts. talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a brad. But it's all been done before, and we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It,
3: it, it's a trap!
1: It, it, taste it, do we love it? Hey, let's race it, clean, erase it let's embrace it, race it. Lesson break the Tupperware. Parties of culture spill over like a vulture, carry over, culture push over pop culture and leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. up sure only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers."
4: Something has crept or has been driven out of dark waters under the mountains. There are older and fallow things and orcs in the deep places of the world. And you're listening to one of them. This is Pop Culture Leftovers Podcast. You shall not fast
5: forward. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm
3: Jake. And and we're The The Leftovers.
5: Leftovers. Man, Jake, you come in really strong every week on the intro, man. You're killing it now. It's just the end of the show, man. You're just,
3: (laughs) you're just. Well, I mean, we start and those three cups of coffee are really kicking in. And then by the end, Uh -uh. those three cups of coffee are.
5: No, it's just reciting something. It, it, it has nothing to do with your energy level. Nothing. Absolutely. We've ended it's the timing. It's the timing. You're, it's your timing. Your timing's all up. We've ended quite a few episodes with you just kind of like, I think you're on cloud nine, just having a great time talking with guests, enjoying yourself, laughing. You know what I mean? Chopping it up with the guests. <laughs> and then by the end of it, when you're just like, uh, blah, 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 you don't know what you're fucking doing by the end of the show. Now you're blaming. Yeah, I, I, can,
3: you, I can. believe that.
5: Now you're blaming it on your lack of caffeination. Is that is that a word? Is caffeination a word? I think so. Yeah. Fuck it. It's a word now. If it's not. Yeah. If it's yeah. not, people
3: understand what it means.
5: Yeah, dude. Just own it. Just own it. You don't know what you're doing at the end. You're just you're lost. You're like a fucking child wandering Disneyland without your Spoiler, parents. Spoiler: I don't
3: know what I'm doing during the whole thing. Yeah. You know well, yeah.
5: Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah that's true. I appreciate you narrowing it down to just the end.
5: No, I think, I think you've kind of, you can navigate yourself throughout an episode, you know, fake it till you make it, you know what I mean? But I, at the end, you're just like, it's, bla- it's like glaringly terrible. <laughs> you're just like out of your element big time. You're like, fuck it. You're like, you're like grandparents trying to
3: watch a TikTok video and understand it, you know? <laughs> anyway i don't know maybe maybe i'll have to listen back
5: (laughs) maybe maybe no i think you nail it every time jake jake's gonna come back and be like no brian i think you're wrong i think i've been right i've been on every time every time
3: (laughs) i've nailed it every time listen back i suck at that new indian i don't want to be a part of it (laughs) now you're just a quitter I missed the old indie.
5: <laughs> oh yeah, the one where I just I rattled off something. Yeah. Yeah. You lift <laughs> make making me do all the heavy lifting over here. <laughs> I mean I'll still say laters. <laughs> I'm t- oh wow, thanks Jake. <laughs> <laughs> but if we tried to say that at the same time, then we'd be like this whole fucking this oh, whole fucking shit. thing. I know. Jesus. Anyway, we've got guests. We've got guests. We got Mr. Matt Kirby. Welcome back, Matt. How are you doing, man?
4: Hey, I'm good, guys. How are you guys doing?
5: And we're great, man. Just bitching at each other,
4: <laughs> as always. What 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 fucking else is new?
5: <laughs> oh man, and Matt, it's great
4: to have you back, man. I've been wanting to get
5: you back on for a while
4: yeah man i look forward to talking with you guys it's always good fun
5: love the time difference man i love that you're six hours ahead of us and you're ready to go to fucking bed but we're keeping you up for this bullshit
4: (laughs) in 34 minutes it will be tomorrow
5: (laughs) yeah yeah i think about that i know i know (laughs) <laughs> Ugh, it's a fucking nightmare, Jake. I don't know how he does it. We've also got Mr. Handy Greg from Amazing Home Projects with Handy Greg on YouTube. Welcome, Greg.
2: Hello.
0: Glad to be here.
5: Look at you. Look at you coming in with your with your microphone working, your internet not fucking up. The only thing that we had that was like kind of like off air was just a, a, a wild dog barking there for the longest time. It's always something with you, Greg. If it's not one Turn thing, it's mic- another.
0: Those are my two chihuahuas because my 82-year-old mother-in-law just decided to leave my house. <laughs> Probably to go to the casino. And they, they, were, they were fucking... They had had enough of that shit.
3: Yeah. Is she a,
0: is she a slot queen? She likes the slots. She does. She does.
5: She, Greg, when she gets back, could you ask her to do the ending of the show with me?
0: <laughs> yeah, I'll have it. If she's... Hey, do you want her to podcast sometime? I'll try to get her to do it.
5: That would be incredible, man. I guarantee <laughs> you, Jake, she would nail the ending on the first try.
3: I Here's mean, the thing she's got all that, those me. years on me. She's like double my age. Yeah. <laughs> she's
0: 82 years old, and just to warn you, she wears like 50 bracelets. So when she talks, she moves her arms constantly, and it sounds like she's got like prison shackles on because of all the freaking bracelets that are moving. And then when she tells somebody, well, she'll go to a movie with her friends and then she'll come home and tell my wife that we should see it. But then she'll tell us the entire plot of the movie, including the ending.
5: Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh.
4: It sounds... She needs her own podcast, I think that sounds like. I'd love to have her on for like five minutes. I'm not even
0: kidding. Like, years ago, I tried to get her to do a podcast with me called Mother-in-Law Movie Reviews, where it was just... (laughs) It was me and her, and I would just let her spoil the shit out of the movie. Uh, but she she refused to do it, and my wife got mad that I asked her. It was uncomfortable.
5: So are you saying, like, if you're not muted and she comes home, it's going to sound like the ghost of Christmas past arriving to your house? Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. F- yeah. Yeah, if you get that joke, it's uh, yeah, the change in the shackles and shit. Anyway, um, <laughs> let's see here. Yeah, uh, we've got some uh, winners here uh, for the uh, Confess Fletch movie that we talked about last week that we're going to have to go over here. So we're going to find out who the five winners are for Digital Codes for Confess Fletch, now on Video On Demand. So our first winner is going to be, and I've got nobody. I don't have a Joe Stark. I'll do it. I'm doing it. I'm on it. Matt Kirby. All right, yeah, here we go. Number one. Monica Garola. Monica Garola. Big shock. Big fucking yep. shocker. She's got this fucking thing rigged or something.
4: She's going to need a bigger hard drive soon, surely. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's like Jaws. You're going to need a bigger hard drive. <laughs> That's funny. Uh,
5: next winner, Michael Forte. Michael Forte, you win a copy of Confess Fletch. Number three, Dave Frankel. Dave Frankel. Confess, Fletch. Digital copy, yours, sir. Number four, Derek Hoffman. Derek Hoffman, you win a digital copy of Confess, Fletch. And the final winner. <laughs> I can't believe
4: this. Wanna again? <laughs> no, no.
5: I have it set to like remove the names of the <laughs> people that won, but somebody said in their 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 name, and it was like. They just sent it in as James, so it's like like their share or Madonna or something, right? right? Just like yeah, James. I am the James. So James, with no last name, you win a digital copy of Confess Fletch. Congratulations, James! <laughs>
3: <laughs> First time winner, James.
5: First time winner, James the james jake the, the
4: james. james could be the band james <laughs> is there a band james there was a band i don't know if they ever ever made it stateside but they were quite big over here for a while with uh apparently they're, uh, they're Hole big... of the moon well they're big f- that yeah they're big no. fletch
5: fans <laughs> they're all gonna, they're all
4: gonna be watching
5: on the tour bus together <laughs>
3: Oh, man. Now that I know that James is listening, I'm getting pretty nervous.
5: That makes sense because it's like Hanson also entered. I was like, what? Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Starting to make sense. We got bands entering these contests now. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, that is, guys... We are getting, we are just moving right the fuck along, aren't we? Eight minutes in, I ain't got shit else to talk about. It's
3: like the fucking bullet train this episode.
5: <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh, no, I do. I got one more thing. We've got a new contest. And this is for the new movie Bandit. After escaping prison, a charming criminal assumes a new identity and robs 59 banks and jewelry stores while being hunted by police. Based on a true story, Starring Josh Duhamel, Alicia Cuthbert, and Mel Gibson in the all-new movie Bandit. Own it or rent it on digital now. And I've got five digital copies for, I believe, Redbox Rentals. So you'll be able to watch this on the Redbox app and rent the movie and watch it for free. And what I'm going to be doing is putting out a Bandit Facebook post and a Bandit tweet. Uh, Retweet it or share it on Facebook. You just have to do one of the two. And then screenshot that send it to me as proof send it to contest at popcultureleftovers.com with the title Bandit and you'll be entered into the contest to possibly win a I believe just a digital rental from Redbox to watch Bandit and I always thought it was pronounced Josh DeHammel, and they put in here pronunciation Josh Demel I never knew that
3: there must be a lot of people that thought that for them to actually include the pronunciation.
5: They've included pronunciations before, but I, this is one that I just never would have thought. It was Josh Demel. I've been saying it wrong all these years. Is he still married to frigie I don't know. Who? You're going to have to Google that one yourself, Greg. Nice. Know. Fergie. <laughs> Did you say Phryggy? I got it. Yeah. I don't understand. I didn't get it. I don't understand it. Anyway, I'm
4: just going to go back on mute for the rest of the episode. No, tonight. it's fine. I, I don't know. Maybe it's... Ex- he was trying to pull the the, the Frederick Frankenstein joke.
3: I, I'm still not
5: following. I still have no idea oh what God. the fuck you guys are talking about.
4: Young fucking Frankenstein. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha.
3: Okay. There we go. All right. Jesus. She's not married to Fergie I've, anymore.
4: Oh, they got the you guys stuff. are both older yeah. than me, and you've made me feel really old now. <laughs> They did get divorced.
5: So, enter the bandit contest. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Anyway. All right. Let's jump into Good Pop, Bad Pop. It's time for more leftover reviews. With Good Pop, Bad Pop. Mm. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system.
1: The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success a Tupperware party.
5: Uh, remember, hey Jake. Remember last week? I I teased that uh, early screening thing. I was going to be able to watch.
3: I do. I, I was so excited for you. Yeah,
5: I was excited for myself too. And then I watched what they showed me. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't what talk. It? I, can't talk about it. I, bad, I can't talk about oh, it. Bad I can't
4: talk about it. Okay, fair enough.
5: No, 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 no. It was. I wish it was. Listen, I wish it was Black Adam. I wish it was Knives Out, Glass Onion. I wish it was any of those. It was not. It was nothing like that. I um, uh, alleged. Maybe I'll tell you like off air, allegedly, but you know, probably not because I'm not supposed to do that because I signed an NDA. So I would never do that. No, scratch that. No. I would never do that. But whatever I watched, I didn't I like. Wouldn't listen,
4: what's that? I wouldn't listen if you told me.
5: There you go, man. What a friend. No, that's a stand-up guy. That's like, yeah. <laughs> um. Now, whatever I watched, it was not good. So trust me, it's not like I'm getting on here super excited about what I watched anyway. So, um, I oh, I wanted to let people know that this was weeks ago, but I did finish the rehearsal with Nathan Fielder, and mm. it's a wild show. <clears throat> I mean, I I I enjoyed it overall, and I'm hoping that he comes back. Are, are we getting a season two? Have they?
3: Set? Yeah, it got, it got renewed.
5: That's good. Yeah, very inventive So I'm down for it I, I would probably give it Oh god I'm kind of obsessed with it actually But I did read some stuff about The the lady that was You know, that played the I, That maybe It's not as authentic as we thought So I'm going to give it a high taste Because I don't know I'm hoping it's like
3: all real But I mean, I don't know Yeah, there's definitely some questions about the validity of uh, some of the things that happened. But yeah, I still overall love the show. It it was one of my favorites of the year. It's a Tupperware for me still.
5: Yeah, I'm at a high taste it with it just because of what I read. And I can neither confirm if it's all kind of – I want to watch it if – I just feel better knowing like everything was legit. Everything was real. Like there's nothing – there's no plants Like, I just kept reading an article about how she was kind of a um, kind of an actor. And so maybe she was playing it up a little bit. So
3: I've watched a lot of her cameos. And the more I see that, the more I think that it's probably her.
5: Well, that's what listen. If she's doing a cameo, she's she's doing what people want her to do. I mean, she's trying to deliver on the character that she was playing in the show. She's not going to completely do a 180 for the cameo. She's trying to deliver what they want.
3: Yeah, I get it. I get it. I don't know. I I think she's 90%. That's really her.
5: (laughs) Listen, I think that there definitely are elements of whatever she portrayed on the show that are her, but I think she did ramp it up a little bit. Yeah. For the show and for the exposure. So I don't know, man. I don't think that the producers stopped her from ramping Maybe, you know, embellishing her character a little bit. But
3: that's. I was kind of surprised that they had a, such a through line through the show. Like, there wasn't really any kind of inkling of that in the first episode. And I, I guess I would have liked it a bit more if every episode was a new experiment. But they did get a work in new experiments within the ongoing experiment. So, yeah. on one level, it did work that way for me.
5: It did, but they kind of abandoned some too, you know? So. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Uh, Finished Cobra Kai this past week. I had watched the first half of the season last week, and I finished the season this week. And uh, Greg, Matt, have you guys been watching season five of Cobra Kai?
0: I have not yet.
4: Uh, I am. I think I've just finished season, season four. I dropped off for a while because I got so fucking tired of the ridiculously bad choices that the kids kept on making um and then after you saying that series five is is phenomenal i thought right i'll jump back in try and push past their stupidity um oh trust and, me
5: kids oh, are gonna kids are gonna make stupid decisions matt oh, i right.
4: just it, i know i know they are man i've got yeah. kids on my own i know how stupid they can be but yeah. it's like they keep <laughs> making the same stupid stupid fucking decisions and it just frustrates me yeah I like but yeah, I, I I will get around to it. So I think I have got like one more episode of season four, and then I'll be straight into season five.
5: Yeah, yeah, season five. I enjoyed it, man. I just had to kind of like shut my brain off as far as like, you know, I mean, the show is a little outlandish. It's crazy, but you know, oh yeah, yeah. I I just kind of like I'm kind of embracing it for that now and just like whatever you want to fucking do with this show go ahead and do because it is fun it is entertaining i'm gonna give it a tupperware i did enjoy it quite a bit and i'm looking forward to uh season six i know that um like i i have a cobra kai t-shirt i'm actually wearing it right now but when i when i wear it out like you would not believe the amount of like i'd say you know Kids in the like like late teens and uh, like like people in their twenties that are like hooked on this show now. That always point yeah. like nice shirt, nice shirt. They love the Cobra Kai yeah, shirt. I get
4: the same here. I've got a Cobra Kai hoodie upstairs, and I get the same when I wear that out.
5: Yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> it's um yeah, it's just cool. I, I I'm really looking forward to seeing Chosen come back as well. Oh God, um, I, yes. I, I, I really did enjoy that in like was that season three when, when he when um, Daniel san went to back to Okinawa. Oh, I, I love that for the member berries of it. I thought it was great. And I like the, I like their, their reunion. Yeah. And I can't wait to see him come back in season five. I think it'd be great.
5: Oh, he does. He comes back and it's fucking awesome. He is awesome. Yeah. It's so cool to see all these characters come back. Um, let's talk about the first thing that we all watched together. And this is the, uh, the new Andor series on Disney plus. This is something we've been waiting for for quite a while came as a shock that we were gonna get this series we thought like you know okay we had rogue one that's it we saw how the death star plans were were obtained that's it no we're getting it we're getting a spinoff and then and then they added even more surprise to it and said guess what you're gonna get two seasons a total of 24 episodes of the andor Show and I'm I'm like at first I was just like why then I saw the trailer and then the trailer was kind of I was like okay I'm kind of down for this and then I saw all the critics ratings uh, and they were very positive but man like the we'll we'll get into this a little bit more I'd say like the reaction is very divisive from the fans very divisive on what they're seeing here uh, it's a prequel to the Star Wars spinoff film Rogue One. The series follows thief turned rebel spy Cassian Andor during the five years leading up to the events of the film. It's created by Tony Gilroy. Uh, Diego Luna reprises his role uh, as Cassian Andor from Rogue One and also serves as an executive producer. Kyle Soller, Adriel Erjana, uh, Joplin Siptain, James McArdle, Rupert Van Sittert, Stellan Skarsgård, Fiona Shaw, Alex Ferns, Gary Beadle, Genevieve O'Reilly, and Denise Goff. Also star and we're gonna kind of dive into and yeah guess what there's gonna be some spoilers here uh for andor the for the first three episodes that they dropped so we could be getting into spoilers so if you haven't seen andor get the fuck out um
3: if <laughs> <laughs> you haven't seen Andor here's the door
5: <laughs> yeah here's the door for Andor Jake, I got what you did there buddy. <laughs> um let's <stop. laughs> greg let's start with you man what did you think about uh the first three episodes of andor
0: yeah so just to give you a little insight into my viewing experience i sat down to watch these three episodes and i fell asleep not once not twice but three times during those first episodes so i made a little bit of a decision i decided to try again to watch those episodes but to kind of unplug myself from the fact that this was a Star Wars property, I wanted to just kind of clean my expectations. I wanted to give it sort of a fresh go without the baggage of, you know, 40 some odd years of of history. I'll, I have to say overall, I really, really enjoyed the show once I was able to kind of set that aside. A couple of things that I love. Obviously, this is a slow burn concept, but there's this mystery around what exactly happened on Kanari that I'm really, really interested in. Was this some kind of industrial accident? Was it something more? Uh, there's also this character, this villain that we've met, played by Kyle Soler, who you mentioned. He's sort of like this, I don't know how to describe them. They're almost like Imperial rent-a-cops. And you can tell that he's got this amazing conviction that's led him to kind of try to capture Cassian, but he just doesn't have the leadership ability. And he he obviously makes a situation that was bad much, much worse. Um, I'm gonna give these first three episodes a high taste it. I can't tupperware it yet because I see I have to see how Andor pays off on all of these kind of storylines that it's it's setting up. But I have to give you know the Star Wars crew a lot of credit here for trying something really really different. It did not catch me at first. You know if, if those have listened to the show for a long time, I've struggled when Star Wars tries to take a new direction. But I had to sort of recalibrate my expectations, and once I did that, I really got into the characters and I really got into the story that was telling me.
5: I mean, fans have been I, uh, clamoring. Can you give me something that ha- doesn't have anything to do with the Jedi or the Skywalkers? And then they get it, and then they don't like it. I've seen it online. It's just—it's crazy to me. It's like the, I, I feel like this is what people have been asking for: something different. And, just, and I and now people are like you've got a, a large group of people that are basically just like, oh, give me the Mandalorian season three. I'm bored. This is boring. This is slow. And um, and uh, yeah, I, but I want to hear what Matt, what do you what do you think about Andor?
4: Um, OK, so um, I didn't think this needed to be made. I didn't care for it. Um, I wasn't interested then I saw the trailer. I was like, oh, yeah, this this looks like this could be really like something new, something different, as everyone says. Um the first episode was so slow. I think I fell asleep twice, but I stuck at it. If it wasn't for the fact that it was a Star Wars property, I wouldn't have gone back and watched episode two and three. Um, having no yeah, obviously because of for the show and because it was Star Wars, I carried on and it got better it got a lot more interesting the intrigue started to build on what was going on like what the story was on Canary, like greg says what the story was with the renter cops what was going on i felt where they they kind of lost um, a little bit of sort of grab action was you never saw what was going on with the empire like the empire the, the only thing we've seen of the empire at the moment is is an insignia on a on a module haven't seen Stormtrooper. Haven't seen anything, else. and I think they kind of missed a trick in 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 just laying out for the layman what where we are in the timeline. Because unless you know what you, you know a little bit about Star Wars, you don't know what you know. Um, Bby four or Bby five is right. You know, you, and, it, and I think they've just you've jumped into a world of Star Wars. And yes, I don't want to see Skywalker. I don't want to see lightsabers. I want to see something new in that universe it's what i've been clamoring for for ages but i think because they haven't laid a foundation for where this show is based for normal people that that haven't got a clue and are going, well this guy died in rogue one why am i watching him now it just doesn't make sense the same shit again i know it's a silly argument that everyone makes but it it, it is it is there for a reason i think because of that it kind of like the three episodes they gave us, nothing really happened until like the end of episode three, when all of a sudden you had some action, those great scenes that we saw in the leaks, uh, and, and and it suddenly starts escalating into something like, oh, shit, there's, there, there's, there's interest here, there's stuff going on. Um, so, I mean, overall, I think I'm going to give them all three episodes kind of a, a taste it, bordering on a high taste it, but I'm still interested in watching the rest of the season.
5: Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I am uh I, I like this show a lot more than you guys. I love this show, to be quite honest with you. I'm I'm I was I've been kind of burnt out on Jedi's and Skywalkers as of late. I think a lot of us have as fans, and I think that having a guy like Tony Gilroy, who is really in my opinion, the guy who pulled together Rogue One and made it, you know, the movie that it is. We're very lucky to have this guy come in there and take over it. And then him kind of like approaching this uh, differently than I'd say Filoni or Favreau and making it kind of just like a – almost like just like a spy thriller in a way uh, set in the Star Wars universe as well as watching the rise of the rebellion and um, getting to know some some different characters here. I think the just the world feels dirtier and more lived in and Cassian can – he just seems – like there's no question of like did like did han shoot first like cassian will shoot first and ask questions later like that's what i kind of like love about this character now um that they've kind of carried over from his character in rogue one and i love the the droid uh, b2 is it is it b2 yeah b2 emo i love the droid the way it kind of like it talks like Max Hedrum or something like that and stutters for a little bit. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I really enjoyed the first episode, just like the whole, you know, the guys giving him shit in the bar, him taking the guys back. You know, he did not want to get involved with these guys and then just taking them out. I did not expect him to fucking kill that guy by doing the headbutt, like pushing his nose back up into his brain or whatever the fuck he did. I was not expecting him to just kill that guy. Um, the show surprises me. I'm I'm totally in. I think it looks beautiful. I think the special effects look fantastic. Um, I don't know how it's going to end, but it did enough to hook me. I am in. I love it. I cannot wait to watch this week to week. It just feels so different and uh, but yet so familiar from like other like properties like other things that we've watched with spy thrillers and things like that but it's set in the Star Wars universe and I kind of love it. I'm kind of here for it. So I'm at a Tupperware for all three episodes. I I love this so far. Um, the only thing I could say is like man it was nice watching those clips in the theater before I watched Rogue One because the surround sound was so amazing in IMAX and I'm kind of missing that at home. So um, you know uh, I, I do want to see some more action though. We definitely need some more action in the series but I, I am intrigued, and I like the what's the what's the planet's name? Is that uh, that he's from Karani? Kanari, uh, yes, Kanari. Kanari. Yeah. I I want to see. I, I I am enjoying the flashbacks. I am enjoying the flashbacks and seeing kind of like where he came from. Well, and,
4: this, this is relatively a, a totally new world to to, to Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been mentioned in in a load of odd bits of literature. Um, a lot of it, Rogue One, sort of visual aids and shit. Uh, And it was mentioned in uh, Star Wars from a certain point of view. But other than that, it is solely, you know, this is the first time we're seeing it or or getting some real backstory on it. So that's good. Same with, same with Fest as well. We haven't seen Fest in in Star Wars before either. So it's all new territory, which is cool. Yeah. One uh,
0: of the things uh, I loved about Kanari is it's sort of like a reminder of how big the universe is. This is a human planet that's completely and totally primitive
2: mm-hmm. right yeah. like
0: they, they barely discovered blow darts you know so it just is a reminder that you know the universe is a big place it's not like there were jedi everywhere it's not like even the empire could expand its reach everywhere which is why i assume we have these rent-a-cops so no i thought it was really fascinating i i again i'm gonna i'm gonna my high taste brian is kind of with a bullet there i i, I think it's a very very high tasted. i just want to see how these story threads play
5: out you know i understand that i'm i the only i if it all falls apart then it falls apart but for now like it's done its job to get me hooked i definitely want to see what's going on in canari like why was that expedition there in the first place um
4: why i'm right there with you i I want to know as well but I, i just feel that the first episode didn't have enough to hook me, if, if I, if I had to just go, if, if they only put out one episode of this, I would not be looking forward to the next episode after that first one. Well, because I, th- there was not enough in there.
5: I definitely think it was calculated me. to, to, to yeah. drop the three episodes then. I Absolutely. think they feel yeah. like they've built up kind of like enough of, a of not necessarily trust because star Wars has burned us as of late, but they've built up enough, uh, hope and faith with, with the fan base that, you know, they, they trust that people aren't just going to be able to watch one episode and turn it off. Like if you're, you know, diehard Star Wars fan, you're going to continue and wa- let it just jump right into that
4: next episode. I mean, so, so those three episodes almost to me feel like a like a feature length pilot that's been caught up.
5: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's almost what's interesting.
0: I mean, if it was a 90 minute pilot, would we have felt any differently?
4: Yeah, I mean, I wonder... I think if you condensed it down to 90 minutes, I think it would have been a lot more gripping, and I, and I would have been com- completely hooked on it.
5: I mean, I love the dialogue between Stellan, uh, Stellan Skarsgård and Diego Luna as they're talking about, like, the arrogance of the Empire and him just walking in there. I was just like, this is so good. This is so good. And, like, mm. I don't know. I want to hear from Jake. Jake, what did you think of Andor?
3: Yeah, I was in the camp that we didn't need this show. I wasn't very wowed by any of the teasers or the trailers. Um, And then I saw a little bit of the criticism before I watched it, that the first two episodes were super boring and nothing happens until the third episode. So even turning this on, I was like, oh, what am I getting myself into? And um, I absolutely adore this show. It's the highest of Tupperwares for me. I I really don't get the complaints about the first two episodes. I – I thought the first episode was brilliant. And I I too loved the scene where he's walking out of the bar and the two rent-a-cops are approaching him. And the way that was filmed where it's just voices and silhouettes and you don't even see the actors until, the, until they're right on top of them, I thought was just absolutely brilliant. I think the music is so, so good in this show. I was surprised at a lot of the cues they use there. Um I love Andor like my favorite Andor moment in Rogue One is that first scene where we see him take the guy out in the alleyway. And then I thought I kind of didn't like that character anymore because they made him a, a goody two shoes after that moment. And you never really saw that dark side anymore. Uh, that's not that true. He, he
5: he was almost getting ready to kill uh, Jen Erso's father. Um I mean he's almost
3: getting ready to kill her father.
5: Yeah, do you remember the scene where they, sh- they arrive on the planet and he is fully intending on getting out and using the sniper rifle. He's even got it pointed at him, but then has a change of heart. He does have a change of heart after he's gotten to no gen or so. So they I mean they they do ride the line a little bit with his character throughout the movie that he's also he's always kind of like got an ulterior motive that maybe isn't um uh like
3: the like the hero's journey so you know it- i agree with that i just think i never really bought into that 100 percent in rogue one and i think this show will go a long way in enhancing that feeling when i watch rogue one again that this guy could pull that trigger that he is capable of that i just the movie by itself with just that context i I just didn't fall for that fiction. I mean, maybe that's just me, but I didn't, but I think the show is going a long way towards fixing that. Um, I also really, really, really love um, Karn, the, the Kyle solar character. Um, He's easily my favorite character in this entire show. One of the most interesting, different star Wars, bad guys we've ever seen. I think the performance is just brilliant. I, at the end of that third episode, I can't tell if he's, this is gonna like steal him up and make him better, or it's just gonna make him fucking worse. Um, there's just so many different directions that character can go, and I, I just find it fascinating to see these kind of like underlings and these like tryhards trying to do their thing for the empire. It's it's a side of the bad guys we've never really seen before, and I, I think it's really really cool. Um, I also love the droid. I think all the side characters are a lot of fun. I like the uh, Narky Narkerson that we that we find out about. And I thought his arc was really interesting. Um, And I don't know, I really love that this show doesn't feel like it's at warp speed. I know a lot of people are saying it's slow, it's slow, it's slow, nothing happens. But I don't know, man, I was really breathing in all the atmosphere of the show the entire time I watched it. I I found myself never bored and I was halfway through the second episode and it was just like, Oh my God, I cannot believe how much I like this show. And I, I agree with Brian that I, it just is so lived in and so widescreen and so cinematic. And I think it was a smart move to get out of the projector dome bullshit they've been doing for Mando and Obi-Wan. And, and I mean, that stuff worked, but I think they, they overdid it a bit and we're getting a little bit tired of it and, yeah this this world just feels so lived in and i don't know man to me it still felt like star wars it's one of the most adult mature star wars things i've ever seen but it did still feel like star wars to me and i i loved it
5: yeah i feel like 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 this is like this is something like my dad watches star wars don't get me wrong and he loves it he enjoys it but i feel like this is like even more up his alley
3: it feels like it feels like the dad show of star wars Oh, man, I love the scene where um, I forget what um, the underling of the the bad guy's name is, the guy that he kind of finds. And he's also super into, like, punishing these rebels or these people and teaching them what for. And it's the scene where they're kind of rallying the troops. And and he does a really great rallying speech and he hands it over to Karn. <laughs> yeah. And Karn is just fucking drops the Amazing. ball. Amazing. Oh, it is one of my favorite scenes in in all three episodes. I, oh man, Karn is so good.
0: One of the best bad speeches you will ever see. And it tells you so much about his character in just two minutes, how badly he wants to be a leader and he just can't do it. He just doesn't have the stuff.
3: Oh my gosh. He modified his costume. He, He reminds me of the Percy character from Harry Potter, like in the Star Wars universe a little bit too. Like, Oh, he's just so fucking great. What a great fucking heel.
5: Yeah, I I like him as well. I mean, definitely different from the Ben Mendelsohn character we got in Rogue One. So that's refreshing.
3: Yeah, I mean, he's not formidable. It's just so interesting to see a not formidable bad guy that still has all the passion, if not more, of some of the bad guys we've seen in previous Star Wars franchises. Mm -hmm. He made me shed a tear for
0: General Hux as like a heel that didn't end up being particularly interesting. And, you know, this is what a complex three-dimensional heel character looks and feels like in how they're performed.
3: Yeah, I was so worried he was going to die when that car flipped over. I was like, no, I'm so glad this character is still going to be around. I can't wait to see how he feels after what he experienced. Uh, Now we got to do the one
5: episode a week watch. So, yeah,
3: that's unfortunate, but I, I don't know. I disagree with Matt and the criticism that. If he only had the first episode, he wouldn't be coming back because, man, I thought that first episode was just fucking brilliant. I was just sucked in from beginning to end. I loved it.
0: It did confirm that there are brothels in the Star Wars universe, which was new.
3: Yeah. And I also don't give a shit if uh, people don't follow where the timeline is. I, I I'm tired of dumbing down things and watering down things for people that aren't Fully invested in the world. I maybe that sounds a little bit like gatekeeping, but I don't know. I think it would dumb down the show if we really have to hammer down when and where it takes place. I, if you can't figure it out, it's actually pretty easy, and I know a lot of people won't figure it out. But I, I don't care. Leave them by the wayside. <laughs> I like. That. I mean, I agree. I agree. Rogue One was a huge movie. A lot of people saw it. If you can't figure out that the reason Andor's still alive is because this takes place before Rogue One, then get the fuck out of here. This ain't <laughs> your show.
5: I, I kind of love it, Jake. <laughs> Many times I would try to argue with you on this, but not today. I can't
3: argue. Dude, I I complain about things not being accessible too, but I I just with this, it just seems so in your face obvious that To spell it out even more would just dumb down the show, and uh, yeah, forget all that.
5: Yeah, yeah.
3: So, can I uh, just a quick question? Was
0: anybody clear on exactly what the thing that Andor has that was worth money is? Like, what what is that thing? Some kind of imperial navigation instrument?
3: I think yeah, maybe it lets you know where fleet are or where ships are. It's like, it's some kind of comm device, too, right? Yeah, it's a,
4: a common navigational pod, um, basically a space GPS, I think.
0: Yeah, it, I was watching this show with my kids. This is not a show for kids, and it's not because of the no. subject matter. And that's totally cool. And it's funny, one of my kids looks at that thing and he goes, that looks like the buttons on Darth Vader's chest. And I'm like, dude, it's not that kind of show. It's not, that's, they not going to be Darth Vader's buttons, you know? <laughs> <laughs> <Marty>. <laughs> it is. It's like black and it has these gray strips and these little buttons on it. I'm like, that's not Darth Vader's breathing thing.
2: No.
5: They're not stealing it. Oh, you should've you should have went with it, man. And then when it. When are we gonna see Luke? Aren't you gonna feel stupid when it's the fucking final episode and they take that thing and they put it in Darth Vader's chest?
0: <laughs> he was like, I haven't been able to breathe so well till now. <laughs>
5: Your ki- your kid is just going to look at you
3: like you're the biggest dummy ever.
1: Fuck you, dad. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I've seen a lot of people complaining, like, there's no Easter eggs, too. And I, I don't get any of that bullshit either. Like, there's enough that you know this is Star Wars. Like, if you watch this and didn't know it was Star Wars, I, I feel like you would know. Like, they're... They a fucking t- they take a speeder. Yeah, that's that's they, a they, dumb they,
4: complaint. I hate t- that.
5: Well, they take a speeder at one point. But here's the thing. It's like... How many, like, you can't, you can't win. You can't win with Star Wars fans, because, like, either it's too many Easter eggs, and now it's, like, no Easter eggs. So, it's, like, you
3: can't win. Star Wars doesn't handle the Easter eggs very well, for the most part, either, in my opinion. Like i've said before my least favorite part of rogue one is the ridiculous c-3po point like it, it's so wow. stupid and needless and brian you brought up the what the panda baba scene as well yeah that's so stupid like the worst parts in rogue one are the cheesy mm-hmm. easter egg parts right. by far doing
4: yeah. that.
5: yeah except for the uh the rebels stuff because like that was just kind of you know cool for the fans but uh, to see Chopper and hear Cindula, but, you know, I don't need the Easter eggs in this show. Just give me a really cool, like, rebel spy thriller, and I think that's what they're doing in the Star Wars universe. I, know. I just think it's so oh, different no. that people are, are – it's so different than, like, what we got in, like, The Mandalorian that people were expecting more of, like, The Mandalorian, and they're not getting it here. They're like, where's Baby Yoda? <laughs> where's all this stuff? And it's like, that is not this show.
4: Yeah, uh, and don't get don't get me wrong. I'm not being a Star Wars fan. I'm not saying this isn't Star Wars enough for me. I I think it's got great potential. I just didn't think that the first two episodes were enough to hook me. If I didn't know it was a Star Wars show and I didn't know it had relevance on a world and a galaxy that I love, I wouldn't be that interested because I didn't think. Yes, it's going to be a spy thriller. I just didn't think there was enough intrigue in that first episode to make to to grip me into. Oh, what the fuck is going on here? This is great that's that's my my only complaint you know it it just didn't grab me it's not because it wasn't star wars enough because i couldn't give a fuck whether i didn't see a lightsaber again for another 50 years i just it just didn't grab me story-wise enough on that first episode for me to just watch right the way through
0: yeah the, the really i i did appreciate that by giving us all three you know it was really in episode three that we got that really cool action set piece with that I don't know what the hell it was, industrial factory, old industrial factory with these big machine parts that were suspended by chains. And it felt uh, like, K- yeah.
4: Kess looks to me like a, a, a breaker's yard. Yeah. It's, it's a breaker like a planet. Yard, it's, it's, right? it yeah. was, we saw it before on in fallen order. Um, they were, they, they have the, the, the empire has these big breaking yards to break old. I presume the clone ships apart and turn them into whatever else. So it just looked like a factory that's dismantling engine parts and shit, like you say.
0: But maybe I'm too looking, I'm looking too far into the theme. But the idea of Cassian saying, you know, I walked right in and stole it right from under the Empire's nose like this world is so irrelevant to the Empire, but like, they're not even governing it. And a major threat to them, who eventually would steal the Death Star plans, is kind of coming into his own there. It just. I don't know. it almost felt to me like the whole planet in the way it's set up is just a symbol of how arrogant the empire is. They, they barely acknowledge that it exists until a couple of the rentacops cops get killed there. Yeah. You know, and I also love the fact that that killing had consequences. you know it was interesting when he when he gunned down that second guy, and I was kind of surprised too. I was like, wow, that's pretty brutal for Star Wars. I just figured the story would move on from that. It's like the millionth time we've seen somebody get laser blasted in Star Wars. And I'm like, huh, there's going to be a consequence to this. I kind of like that.
3: Well, I mean, there wouldn't have been a consequence to it if it wasn't for Karn. I mean, you saw his supervisor just straight up, like, say, make something up. It would be more paperwork and less funding if we you know if the average crime rate is reported higher than i want it to be and so he kind of takes it of his own to make these consequences happen that's what i find so interesting
5: not only are we seeing the rise of the rebellion here but i think we're going to see the rise of that character too
3: i agree i agree and i think knowing the empire like had planets that they really didn't keep that much of a hold on is something we've always known. And that's a little bit of their failing in the first place. Like we've always known that that was a problem that they, they overstretched their bounds and therefore the, the rebellion was able to be, to be made in the first place and they weren't able to govern everything very well at the same time. And it's nice to see a show actually, actually explore some of those planets. It's not even just one. We're seeing. We're talking about multiple planets where the Empire just by name only has jurisdiction over it.
5: I know. We. Uh, I do know that Forrest Whitaker coming back for this series, so we are going to get some more Sagarera.
3: Yeah, and we're going to get shocking. Mon Mothma as well. I, I believe she's going to be uh, oh, yeah. a pretty important character in all of this. So I think the further along this goes and the closer it gets to where Rogue One begins, the more obviously connected to a Star Wars story we know it will be, but I, I'm kind of enjoying like I didn't know why this thing was going to be 24 episodes, but now I'm like, I completely get it. Make this fucking 75 episodes. I let this thing breathe i I, I will watch a whole episode of Cassie and Andor just walking around, saying nothing.
0: Yeah, I mean I think originally they planned for what five seasons, so they did kind of condense it down:
3: Do you think we're going to get
5: any uh like uh cheer at and what's the other guy? A Baze Malbus? Do you think Jetta, Those guys might show up in this, or do you think like I don't think so. I think Tony, I would guess no. Yes, I think. I hope not. I think Tony. No, I don't think so. Yeah, I think Tony Gilroy is going to scale back on like a lot of the characters that we saw in Rogue One, and just not like make this a member berries thing. I think Saw Gerrera and Mon Mothma might be it, really.
0: I mean, if they want to do another series about the backstory of those characters, if there's a story to tell, all power to them. But. I feel like that sort of takes away from the fact that these were sort of just a band of disconnected people that came together when needed and did this thing, mm-hmm. you know, just to have them have back history undermines Rogue One, I think.
5: We know we're getting get the, you know, like the first meeting of Cassie and Andor meeting K2SO. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder if when we're watching on the Empire side, if we will see Bodhi Rook, though. Riz Ahmed's character there's a possibility we could see him piloting something right
3: yeah there's a chance story wise um, getting Riz Ahmed is probably the hardest part of that deal true
5: yeah yeah but it, it is it is it is Disney it is Lucasfilm so yeah but yeah he's a bigger name now of course
3: And this show was a lot funnier than I expected it to be, too. I kind of thought it was just going to be all super serious with really no laughs. And not that it's a knee slapping, hilarious comedy show. But when the laughs came, I thought they were really funny. Like I loved when his buddy was trying to get his money back and he had the big alien bouncer friend to kind of intimidate him. And that guy was just such a softy, it seemed like. Oh, Vetch. Vetch. I loved Vetch. (laughs) Yeah, that, I thought that character was hilarious. The the stuttering droid I thought was very endearing and, and very funny as well. And uh, yeah, I I thought the 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 laughs that we got they were few and far between, but they were good. Like when it was time to laugh, I, I did laugh.
0: So I have one more dumb question, if it's okay. the The ship that crashed on Canary in the first episode, yeah. Do we know what the deal with that? What is that the ship that caused the industrial accident, or what? What? What was
5: that? I don't know. That's interesting, man. I was trying to figure out, like, who those people were, what was going on there. I, I really don't know.
0: Yeah, because I wonder so, if that was an intentional mystery or not.
4: I don't – well, I mean, all we've got on Wikipedia is that Kanari uh, suffered an imperial mining disaster that led to the death of everyone involved and led to the abandonment of the planet by the Empire. It was later labeled toxic as a result of the mining disaster. It is considered a fairly obscure world, and many on Ferrix were unfamiliar with it.
0: I love that. So, as soon as we hear about that mining disaster, by the way, we also get clear indication that the Empire makes shit up when they have to.
4: Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. So propaganda, isn't it? Again,
5: you're so. saying like it uh, the the environment was toxic. Yeah. So it's almost like it's Which almost is why like.
4: That- which is why they had the breathing apparatus on. The guys, that, the, the guys that were dying or dead on the ship had breathing apparatus on. If you'd noticed,
5: it reminds me of uh, Chernobyl.
4: Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm, so yeah. I, I think it's. Um, I, I think uh, as and, and obviously the Canari were all children. So I'm presuming that they were still either young enough or have been born into that environment. So they are now almost either immune to it or can deal with it more
2: mm-hmm.
4: um, looking at it and a, a bit of a, a more skeptical look um so i think the I, I don't think that ship was anything to do with it. i think that ship just purely crash landed on there and then obviously the uh i can't remember her name the who turns out to be the mother 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 figure to yeah. Cassian. Um, She she was then scavenging
0: she takes her mask off and she's like and remember the the guy that's with her is like, don't do that. You're going to die. And she takes it off anyway and she's fine. So it just feels like there's something other than a mining accident that happened. Mm. there. Like we're get, we're being given these clues that it is not what we're being told it was. It's something no, totally different. Not. We have to find out what that was. And maybe that ship being shot down has something to do with it. I, I don't know.
5: She's listed. It's Fiona Shaw, and she's playing Mayarva Andor. So she's going to be like his mother figure yeah. throughout this. You know.
0: The other guy evidently was hanged. They mentioned really quickly that his father was hanged.
5: Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Luthen said that when they were in that uh, in that factory building. That was a man that scene in the theater when they played it in IMAX was amazing. The sound was just fucking incredible.
3: All those clangs all over the place. <laughs> right. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. It was What would you guys think of uh the Bix
3: character and her boyfriend Tim? I I liked them both. I thought they were super deep. Tim's I, Dick. Yeah, I, I loved Tim's dickishness though. I, I couldn't believe that he he, <laughs> I knew he, you he would did, he did his narky thing and then he goes home and then Bic shows up for sexy time and I'm like, oh my god, this guy is such an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was just such a I'd never expected to see any kind of like subplot like that in any Star Wars property. I thought that was super bold and I loved it.
5: Yeah. No, I love the approach that Tony Gilroy has taken to this show. I'm I'm digging it, man. So yeah it's just refreshing this is this is good shit so yeah
3: Yeah, you don't you don't see too many sexy time moments in star wars properties is this like the only one (laughs) trying to think have we
5: seen anything else
3: sexy time
0: I i mean they just show her putting pants on the next day you know what i mean
3: yeah i mean we see like i'm not even counting like han and leia kissing like that that's not sexy time we don't ever see like leia show leia up at show han's up. place right. and then we cut to the next morning and she's putting her pants on
5: that's true <laughs> we didn't even see a fucking toilet in star wars until rebels so
2: yeah
5: <laughs> uh, i got a news story here from dark horizons about andor they say don't expect andor season two until 2024 uh, yeah. the, tw- the 12 episode first season of Star Wars Andor is set to have its big debut this Wednesday uh, with the second season already ordered. However, don't expect that second season for a while. The rap recently spoke with showrunner Tony Gilroy about the series who revealed he still has quite some way to go before he's finished with Andor. In fact, his commitment will see him sticking to the Star Wars universe for another two years. Quote, I have two more years to go. We start shooting in November on part two. And I don't know if our past pattern was two years, but I mean, I'll be on. We'll shoot from November to August, and then our post-production last time was about a year. Uh, that would fit with the series, which began production of its first season in November of 2020 and ramped in September last year before arriving on screen in September of 2022. Thus, a mid-late 2024 release looks likely for the second season. Uh, But Disney has not announced any official date at this time. Um, Let's see. That is one reason why Gilroy isn't talking about anything post and or for some time. His approach to work is much like Chris Nolan in that he focuses on one project at a time. Quote, this is the most home I've ever made. I've always had a very nimble approach to this. I never take a job in front of another job. I've always just one done one thing at a time and moved around and never made a company or got a letterhead or I never had a production deal or anything. This is the longest I've ever spent anywhere. So I like that approach, man. Just stay in this world. Don't worry about don't be like, you know, the J.J. Abrams who sign in deals with everybody. You know, bad robot is just everywhere. And like half of those things don't get made. I like that. He's just focusing on one thing at a time here.
3: I'm looking at Tony Gilroy's um, writing credits. He wrote one of my favorite early 90s movies, The Cutting Edge. Oh, the skating movie. Yeah.
2: About the (laughs) ex-hockey player
0: that joins a figure skating tandem.
3: Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. Exactly. Anyway, I didn't like
4: it, but I'm just saying I know everything about
5: it.
4: Have you guys um, guys seen the theory about Cassian's sister? No. What's that? What's that? Going by by a bit of a classic Star Wars that Bix is actually his sister. Doing a bit of a Luke and Leia.
0: I thought it was Bix whisk. at first, and then I'm like, no, that's not a system.
4: Yeah, that, that's the that's the current fan theory on on the tinter web that, that that Bix is it, and they're pulling a Luke and Leia again. Mm, I hope that's not true. Well, I, I hope it's not true as well. But it's a very easy trap for them to fall into, isn't it?
5: Kanari has been mentioned around her, right? So, I mean, you think yeah. that that would raise some yeah. red that would raise some red flags for her, and you think she would recognize mm, possibly
4: unless she doesn't remember she was still she was a lot younger than Cassian, was not she?
5: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not I'm not, That's right.
3: even gro- that's even grosser than Luke and Leia cuz it's very much implied that Andor and Bix had sexy time in the past.
2: Oh, yeah. I shut <laughs> <that>
3: up. <laughs>
4: Ew. <laughs> Ew. All right, let's jump into our That's na- a new way of Star Wars to go. Let's jump into uh <laughs> they said they were gonna do star wars game of thrones
5: yeah that's true maybe we'll get a scene of, of uh her pulling her pants up and then the next episode we'll find out that they're related that will be fantastic um, why not <laughs> fuck it let's do it
4: um I'm disney plus
5: let's talk about the the next thing on the list here which is the movie lou which dropped on netflix um when I read the title of this one, I was hoping it was going to be a biopic about Captain Lou Albano. It is not. It is a Alice and Janney movie. Zero laughs on
3: that one. Fuck you guys. A young girl is kidnapped during. A I mean, I was hoping that, too. It wasn't funny so much as like sad.
0: Yeah, I was waiting for the scene where he finally attaches the rubber bands to his face, Brian. It just didn't happen. Shh.
5: All right. Oh, you guys are just making this worse for me. A young girl is kidnapped during a powerful storm. Her mother joins forces with her mysterious neighbor to set off in pursuit of the kidnapper. Their journey will test their limits and expose the dark secrets of their past. Give me one more moment here. I'm going to write down Never Tell Captain Lou Albano joke (laughs) on podcast. There we go. Um... Lou is directed by Anna Forster. The film also stars uh film stars Allison Janney, journey Smollett, Logan Marshall Green, uh Ridley Bateman, and Matt Craven. And um I think we did we all get a chance to see Lou? Yes.
3: yes. Yes. Yes.
5: Yeah. Uh I uh let's see here. What what are we at here? Like an was it at an hour and forty minutes or something on this one? Or I, uh, I can't remember. Hour
4: forty seven.
5: Hour forty seven. Man, I like the first half a lot more than the second. I, I thought it started out great. I thought Allison Janney is fucking. I think she's great in this movie. I fucking was loving her character. I was, I, I think where this movie kind of lost me is I think it would have been better without the twist. If they would have just left all that out. If they would have left that whole twist. twist. Yeah, there was a twist. I don't want to tell people what the twist is, but, I mean, if you need me to pause here and tell you what the twist is, Matt, then...
4: No, I just didn't say it was a twist.
5: Hold on, pause. All right, yeah, we talked about... Anyway, I just think it would have been... I just think the twist did the movie kind of a disservice um, that I think it would have been better, quite better without the twist that they incorporated in the movie. I was... I was so into it. And then when the twist happened, I felt like the movie kind of took a dive. So I'm going to give the performance of Alice and Janney like a Tupperware. But man, as far as the story goes, um, it it definitely took a dive for me once once the twist in this was revealed. And so I'm at a solid taste on this one. It, it just didn't work for me. I, what was working for me was you've got this... You know, raging storm happening. You've got Allison Janney, who's playing this older woman who is the uh, uh, the landlord to Journey Smollett's character and her very young daughter. And uh, there's this thing where she's, uh, you know, oh, I want my rent for tomorrow. Blah blah blah. And she's setting up all these different things, and she's writing a letter, and she's going to she's going to commit suicide. And then there's this banging. Uh oh! There's not a knock at the door. Um, Journey Smillett's character just rushes into her place and tells her that her ex-husband has taken her daughter, and then starts getting into like this whole thing of like you know he was, he's ex-military, he's highly trained, he's this, he's that, and unbeknownst to her, uh, Allison Janney's character of Lou is like ex-CIA. And it's like, oh, my God, we're going to have these two going up head to head like this older CIA agent against like this, this military guy. I was just like, this is going to be awesome. And it was for a while. And then the twist happens and the movie took a huge dive for me after that. I just wasn't I just felt like it was um, it's it's an interesting twist, but it was not a twist that got me more into the movie. I think it detracted from like my overall hype of the film and what i loved about it in the first fucking half so i'm gonna I'm, I'm just splitting the difference here it's a fucking taste it for lou jake what did you think about lou
3: yeah i'm right there with you on most of this it's a middle of the road taste it for me i also thought that alice and janey carried this movie on her shoulders um with anyone else this may not have been as good of a movie um the first half was better than the second half but I I don't know. I don't blame it so much on the twist as how much of a terrible actor I thought Logan Marshall Green was in this movie. I thought his portrayal of the main villain was just so terrible. He's like always really chewing the scenery and it's just too overboard. Like he's trying to be almost like a comic book movie villain in a way, which is the way he's overacting. And it just really took me out of the whole movie. And once he starts getting more screen time and more dialogue is when the movie just completely went away for me. Um, I thought the actual like final action scene was pretty laughably bad as well. Um, Yeah, I mean, this is it's extremely watchable, but it's instantly forgettable.
5: I mean, Logan Marshall Green, I love the guy. Uh, Upgrade is one of my favorite movies. I honestly feel like everything he did in this movie that you didn't like, I think it does come down to, like, where they drove his character because this guy can fucking act. I think he's fantastic. Yeah, yeah.
3: I, I, I mean, I just think his performance here was, I don't know, it just didn't feel like, it felt like he was in a different movie than everyone else, I which felt- is the way he was overacting and just, like, Twirling his mustache, it was ugh, not good for me. I
5: feel like this movie was like, hey, have you ever seen Kindergarten Cop? Because it reminded me of Kindergarten Cop in a way. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> any, anyway, if that makes any sense, uh Greg, what did you think of Lou?
0: Yeah, I, I'm just gonna go ahead and I'm gonna go ahead and toss the movie. I think it committed the sin of just not being aware of how fucking stupid it was. Uh, this reminded me of a version of Arnold Schwarzenegger's Commando that somebody rewrote with B. Arthur as the lead. It was just a fucking stupid plot. Um At one point, she murders somebody with a, a Campbell soup can and then says things have just escalated. I mean, there were there were so many lines in this. I thought she said
5: that, that was mm-mm good.
0: Yeah, I mean. There were so many things that made
5: no sense. Matt got it. Finally, somebody got a fucking joke. I told this episode, Jesus Christ.
0: (laughs) So then she, she lives next door to this woman who knows her all this time and sees her kill like all these people. And she's like, which branch CIA again? Like nobody, nobody talks that way. It's like, how can you do that? Not which branch CIA. It just is a poorly written script. Um, I'm a huge fan of upgrade. I've got a, be honest i didn't connect two and two that it was logan marshall green who was also an upgrade until you mentioned it right now i just wrote shitty tom hardy that's what he felt like through this movie just like they couldn't 100% get well, <laughs> yeah so he was just Four like a shitty, hardy. shitty b-level tom hardy i liked the movie a lot more in the first half hour when i was like okay this is like an outdoor version of the equalizer and it just lost the entire second hour of the movie, there was nothing interesting about it at all. Uh, it's not in today's day and age when there's so much good stuff to watch on streaming and otherwise it's not worth your hour and 40 minutes. So I'm going to go ahead and toss it.
5: All right, Matt,
3: what did you think about Lou?
4: Oh God. I saw I watched this this morning when I got up um, uh, and uh, it was entertaining enough, but it is like someone who's got a load of 80s action movies put them in a mixing bowl, pour them out, pick the good bits they want, put a lead actress involved to make sure that, you know, it's got a bit of diversity and then chucked it on film because it's, it's cookie cutter cliche, terribly written bad lines. You know, every little bit of that movie you can pick out from another action movie that you've seen. And I just, it's, it's rehashed crap. So I, but as Jake said, it is watchable because it is because it's so familiar to you. So I, I've got to i give it a low taste. It at the best, it was entertaining, but I would never want to go back to it again.
5: Yeah, they're definitely, and it feels like they're trying to set this up, maybe for a possible sequel. So yeah, fuck, oh God, that, no. No. fuck that!
0: Fuck <laughs> that! So like again, like I'm, if this is a, if you're if you're really ass hurt about loose spoilers. Go fuck yourself, but I'm going to give you one. So she may be alive at the end of the movie. And, Brian, I'm sorry if I just fucked up your podcast by saying that. When they showed her at the end of the movie, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? They have the audacity to think we're going to do Lou 2? Are you serious? But
4: but it it was really obvious that that was going to be a scene, wasn't it? Fuck that. The the way that... Uh, again, I don't want without spoiling anything. It, no, you guys are yeah, without.
3: It's, it's it's too late. It's I don't, too late. I Jesus, now so, so so sho- randomly when they show
4: a, him Luke dying. with a bulletproof vest
0: on out of nowhere. Exactly. I'm like, when when did you put that fucking vest on an hour ago when you were killing someone at Campbell soup can? Now you have a bulletproof vest just when you need it. Fuck you!
5: Ridiculous. That's Lou on Netflix. <laughs> so check out Lou. <laughs> uh, let's jump into the, uh, the the next thing on the list here. Best in Dough. Uh, they dropped a three-episode series premiere on Hulu. Pizza-obsessed competitors from all walks of life. To show co- to showcase their pizza slinging skills and battle it out for a cash prize. And uh, yeah, they dropped three episodes and it's basically, you've got three people and uh, they try to make the, they, there's like a pizza challenge where they try to make a particular type of pizza based, uh, you know, thing. Like, I think it was the first episode it was pizza cones. They had to make these pizza cones. And then for the second one, they have to, they have to use I don't know what did they have to do the second one? Just like use certain ingredients and make a pizza? Or was it
3: uh, you, the first one? They each got an individual thing they had to do. One was cone, one was cupcake. Oh, that's right. Was, I forget what the third one was. The second one the was fire? flavors that remind you of your hometown. I believe. Oh or yeah, like?
5: flavors. Yeah. So all these women for, were from Italy, and so they had to make like the pizza that was. Uh, uh, representative of like where they lived and grew up in Italy, so uh, I think like the f- I, I only watched the first episode. I felt like it 's not going to get any better than the first episode, which I did adore I, 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 I liked it quite a bit to be honest with you because I liked the three ladies um, that they had, the three nonas that they had. I thought that they were very funny, and I enjoyed the episode quite a bit it 's a high taste it for me. Um, just because of them, I was like, I don't think this show could get any better than that. I really don't. That was, that was fun. You had like, you know, they're competing against each other, these three women, these three older women, uh, all from Italy. And, uh, at one point, like, one lady was just like, I'm not, she, they asked her to like make, what do they ask her to make the cupcake pizzas? And she, yeah. she, and she yeah. said, no, she, she just refuses. <laughs> she just refuses. She's like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do what I want. And she made what she wanted to. She made like some kind of like pizza with Nutella on it. And then, and then uh, later on, she like goes over to another contestant's station and starts stealing her tomatoes. <laughs> Like she wanted to use her tomatoes, and then, then when she presented her final pizza, she says, "I present the worst thing I've done." And I'm just like, "This lady is fucking hilarious. I love this lady." And the only reason I loved that first episode was because of the three ladies that they had on there. They were just slaying me. The the three nonas were just slaying me. So I was like, "I don't think I need to watch any more of this. I don't think it's going to get any better than this." I, I don't need, I think the second episode was like influencers or tiktokers or something i don't even know but i didn't watch it and correct yeah i stuck around i just watched the first episode it's a high taste it and and i don't think i'm going to be watching any more of people making pizza i think that they kind of peaked with the first episode and i'm just basing that on the fact that these th- i don't think you can go anywhere but down after these three ladies because they were great so high taste it for the first episode with no uh with no second episode for me
3: um jake what'd you think about best in dough i'm gonna low taste best in dough um honestly the only thing keeping me from tossing this show is the three contestants in the first episode I, i also thought they were brilliant um i loved when they would break down the fourth wall and she was feeding the cameraman or talking about slapping judges um but yeah everything else about this show i just didn't like and I mean, just to be right out in the open, I don't. I haven't eaten a pizza since I was eight years old. I am extremely allergic to cheese. It, it really messes me up. But even with that aside, I, I thought there was just so many cooking show tropes that I was rolling my eyes throughout the whole episode. Between, uh, oh my gosh, she's using potatoes from a can, and oh my gosh, is she going to have time to cook this a second time? And then the judges were so stale and boring to me. I thought all three of them were just yawn city. I, I did not like any of the judges whatsoever. Um, if it wasn't for the charisma of all three of the contestants, I this would have just been atrocious. Um, I did not watch the second episode. I saw the teaser that it was going to be like social media influencers. And I was just like, yeah, I'm done with this show forever. So I'm going to low taste it just on on how well they cast the first episode with the contestants but i feel sorry that they had to deal with everything else they dealt with
5: yeah greg uh did you you get you get to watch this
3: i did and
0: exactly i watched the first episode and i said to myself you know they should just do a whole season of these three nonas battling it out
5: yes um, yes
0: th- there are just too many shows with this formula top chef chopped is it cake The Great British Baking Show. And again, some of these are good shows, but as soon as I started to get a sense of the format, I was like, there's really just no reason to continue watching this other than the charm of the contestants, which, you know, they can only show us one episode at a time. So I just felt no reason to continue. Again, I liked exactly what you liked in the first episode. I happen to be Italian-American, so there were also lots of little winks just if you ha- live in a large Italian family, there are a lot of things that you could really relate to. And everyone has a nana or, in my case, a nanny like that. But um, it's not something I'm going to continue watching. I'd give it a taste it if you're really into shows of this kind of format. But there's nothing unique about it.
5: Yeah, but I, I, I just really enjoyed the first episode because of them. Um, <laughs> I thought that they were so much fun. <laughs> and, Greg, I'm with you. I would watch a show with just the three nonas, man. Give me a whole season of them. Yes. That would be great. Oh, so they were so fucking great. Yeah. Uh, So
0: one of them talks about being from Calabria. That's where my family's from, a part of my family. So like little things like that, and you know what the cooking style from that area of Italy is from. I mean, these are things I heard over the table on Sundays growing up. So it there were definitely those were really authentic nannas on that first episode. That was legit.
5: Oh man. Hey, what's like so? uh, Like, what's your favorite Italian food, Greg? I'm curious.
0: I mean, like anybody else, it's just it's just macaroni, you know, I mean, there's my wife makes uh, sauce every Sunday. It's just like part of what we do. And ironically, her sauce tastes exactly the same as my grandmother on my dad's side. It's not why I married her. That would be weird. But um she makes amazing sauce and it like the way that you make sauce is sort of like your family's fingerprint it is um my grandmother on my mom's side used to make it with raisins in it because that's what my grandfather liked it's kind of a weird thing but it was hers and like those smells coming from the kitchen they just bring you right back it's mm. an amazing thing it's just part of who we are you know but ultimately anything that has sauce on it that's that's um really what our heritage is all about
5: yeah oh man i love pizza i love fucking pasta it's just that's the yeah those those are the things that fucking pack the pounds on me man (laughs) Yeah, yeah um greg i don't know if did you get a chance to watch x or pearl this week I watched
0: both X and Pearl.
5: Fucking a thank you Greg. I can I don't have yeah. to talk about this alone. Um I saw X. I absolutely loved it. It's uh the horror slasher film by T West and we I reviewed that on a previous episode. What did you think about X?
0: I really liked West. Um if I was going to review West, I would give it the X. highest
5: X. 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 What what did I say? You said West.
0: Oh god, sorry. I've been drinking. I really liked X. I would give it the highest of taste. It's the highest, highest of taste. It really captures this incredibly, um, you know, just the seventies so well, and all of the exploitation of the seventies really in one brilliant package. It's still a traditional slasher movie, but um, a really, really good, well-made slasher
2: movie.
5: And the reason that Greg is talking about X, and then we're going to be talking about Pearl here in a moment is because Pearl is actually a, a prequel uh, to to the movie X. So um, it's, uh, you know, in the, in the X movie, you've got this older couple on a farm and the, and the woman, this is her story. This is how she became the way she was. Uh, trapped on her family's isolated farm, Pearl must tend to her ailing father under the bitter and overbearing watch of her devout mother, hoping for a more glamorous life. Pearl's ambitions, temptations, and repressions all collide to horrific effect It's a psychological slasher film directed by T. West and co-written by West and Mia Goth, who reprises her role as the title character. And, um, yeah, man, I, uh, I fucking loved this. Oh, my God, I really enjoyed this movie quite a bit. I did not think it, like, um the the movie like the farm it looks beautiful it reminded me of like 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 when uh it reminded me of like seeing judy garland star in the wizard yeah. of oz the way that the farm looked and and she even looked a little bit like judy garland in certain points and then it just takes like this dark turn she's taking care of her father who's sick and her mother's taking care of him as well. And she's just miserable. She's this girl who has dreams and aspirations. She wants to be, um, a dancer. She wants to be in the movies, dancing. And her mother just kind of wants to keep her there on the farm to take care of things. And her father and, and her, and her husband is, you know, in, uh, in, in the war. And so he's gone, and she just feels trapped. She meets this kind of she meets this new man at the uh, theater. He runs the projector, and so there's a little bit of a a flirting going on between him and her that happens in this movie. And you know, it's you kind of have to see what happens in her life to make her turn into the person that we see her in in the movie X. And I think this movie does a really great job. I don't want to spoil a lot because I know this is a very popular A24 movie when it came out. And so I'm sure a lot of people, it's only been out in the theater for about a week now. I'm sure a lot of people are wanting to watch this one, maybe not in the theater, but like rent it. But I don't think that you're going to be disappointed. I think it's a, it's a, not only is it fucking a great slasher film, but it's also a fucking, it's a beautiful looking movie. Um, I can just, for me, Greg, like one of the Standout scenes for me, and I'm not gonna and I'm gonna say something here, but I'm not gonna spoil it. It's just like
0: I know what you're I
5: think I know what you're gonna say. The monologue? That was great. I was talking about like uh coming out of the house with the axe.
0: Oh my god. So <laughs> go to see these T West movies, not to be scared, but for the tension. Yeah. I mean, incredible tension. So again, I'm not gonna spoil anything. I think I saw one of the best monologues I have. I I'm trying not to have recency bias here. Yeah. One of the most impressive monologues I have ever seen is in this movie. It's a very, very long monologue. This is like the Daredevil season one hallway scene of monologue. <laughs> yes, it is. Oh, my and God. She, as this mon, if anyone's seen a horror movie, you know, you're talking to the characters in your head. You're like, get out, get out, get out. As this monologue is going on, which I have to research, I don't know how long it was, but it's long. And it's brilliantly delivered by Mia Goth. I'm sitting there going, get out, get out. And as she's delivering this monologue, the tension is growing and growing and growing. And you're waiting to sort of see when she explodes. And it's just an amazing scene in this film. I am so incredibly impressed by Mia Goth. As much as I liked X, I'm so glad I saw it to better appreciate Pearl because it's an amazing film. Absolute, no doubt Tupperware. It also has the most incredibly, intriguingly awkward credit scene I've ever seen. Um, Really brilliantly awkward credits. What I would say is stay for the credits. And a lot of people are going to send me hate mail because they'll be like, you made me stay for that. But it's the most uncomfortable credit scene you've probably ever seen.
5: Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. I loved it. I This is this is the highest of Tupperwares. Pearl was so fucking good. Now, did you stay through the credits? I didn't stay to the very end. I, I stayed long enough. I was the, actually the only one in my theater, but I stayed. Yeah, I, d- I was too, And
0: which I was the only one in my theater, and that theater, I think, is going out of business. Mm. And I saw a 10 p.m. show last night, so as soon as I walked in, they were like, fuck this guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But um, <laughs> at the end of the credits, we get a tri- a, a teaser for Maxine, uh, which is going to be the sequel to X, uh, presumably starring Mia Goth's character. So oh. super excited for that.
5: Oh my god! Okay, okay, that's awesome. Because I, I I believe, and I could be wrong here, but I thought that like once X came out, there were articles saying that they had filmed in secret a prequel. Yeah, and uh, that's what we saw. Here, Greg is Pearl.
0: If so, I applaud A twenty four because as much as I liked X, Pearl makes X better. It does. Yeah, it's it's absolutely it, it's a it's a a great study in filmmaking. Again, and it's not you're not talking about overly sophisticated or brilliant plot. It's not scary. It's fucking tense. Yeah, it's super tense
5: oh god the the title card and the freeze frame with the pitchfork and the alligator man was brilliant yeah,
2: absolutely
5: <laughs> oh it's such a great movie yeah you know,
0: this is in the trailer so again not a big spoiler but a character who can't move on the end of a dock with an alligator swimming towards them i yeah. mean it's just so many scenes like that that you're just you know your fingernails are digging into the armrest mm-hmm. one after another
5: yeah Let's talk about Reboot on uh, Hulu. Uh, this, they dropped a three-episode series premiere. Uh, it's about an early 2000s family sitcom is rebooted, and the dysfunctional cast must deal with their unresolved issues in today's fast-changing world. And we've got a cast of Keegan-Michael Key as uh, Reed, Johnny Knoxville as Clay, uh, Rachel Bloom as Hannah, uh, Callum Worthy as Zach, uh, Judy Greer as Bree, and Paul Reiser shows up as uh, a character in this of uh, Gordon Gelman, and uh, I've watched all three episodes of reboot, and actually, um, yeah. So it's it's this it's this early two thousand sitcom, and they show you clips of it and just how you know how full house and ridiculous it is, and. They are presented. A Hulu sits down, uh, talking to uh, this woman, um, uh, Hannah, who is wanting to reboot the show, and she's a very edgy director. She had a very popular movie at South by Southwest. She directed a movie called Cunt Saw, <laughs> and so Jeez. she's very edgy, man. And they're like, "Yeah, that's what we're looking for." And she's like, "Well, I'm, I'm wanting to to mi- reboot." this show but give it like an like an edge and make it darker. And what was the name of the show? A uh, step right up. Step right up. Yeah, she wants to make <laughs> Step Right Up this edgy show and um you know, talking about the main character in the show having a dark secret that you'll find out at the end and and they are all for it. They're all for it. Well, things kind of go things kind of get a little fucked up because Uh, We find out, I guess, minor spoilers here for the first episode, that um, the original creator of the show was her real father who left them, left her and her mother. And he's played it's played by Paul Reiser. And so she was basically wanting to reboot his show, but in but put his his real story in into this about how he has a dark secret and how he has, like, another family and that he abandoned. And and so that's kind of, like, where, like, the, the first episode ends. And um, I like – I actually loved this show. I watched all three episodes back to back to back. I kind of loved it from Johnny Knoxville's character of um, – uh, there there he, there's Callum Worthy plays like the young child actor all grown up now but he his mother still treats him as if he is still a child and still goes to set with him and Johnny Knoxville is uh Zach says hey you know could you talk to my mom about this you know I'm, I'm a little too old for this and he's like sure and he goes to talk and he ends up getting a blow job from her and then they end up starting to sleep with one another. And I. Just, and orange slices. And, and orange slices. Uh, it always helps with the refractory period, Jake. Um, and then uh, Judy Greer's character of Brie had like this past relationship with Kegel Mike Michael, Kegel, Michael, uh, Michael Key's character in this. And so, like, now they're like doing this show together again and so he's worried about old feelings you know rising back up and i just thought the comedy was really well done i really like this i'm gonna finish this one it's a tupperware for me but comedy is subjective so i'm sure that this will be interesting um jake what did you think about
3: reading i'm also i'm also gonna tupperware this show i i love me a good r-rated sitcom um this fills that need i I thought it was hilarious as well. I only watched the first two episodes. I have not watched the third episode yet. Um, I thought the first episode was good. I thought the second episode was even better, like once we'd established the setup. Um, I love the idea of like also dealing with the Hulu executives and that whole plot line I thought is really good um what's the name of the show that the new daughter is from um fuck buddy mountain <laughs> yeah <laughs> Something like yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> i was like that's not too far off from reality like you laugh when you hear it but we have a show called fuck boy island on hbo max so it's not not too far from reality that this show could exist and i thought that was hilarious um i love the guy when he when he hears about saw and they wonder if he's edgy enough and he's like hey i'm edgy i'm the guy who greenlit season five of the handmaid's tale and they're like oh <laughs> um yeah this show is really funny the, the cast is really great um paul reiser it's, it's fun to see him in this kind of format again um yeah i i love everything about this show i i thought the humor worked for me and i I love the inside meta humor and talking about, you know, making things more mature for streaming and like Hulu executives actually being characters in this, I I think is outstanding. It's a great show. I like
5: the, they have like the, the you know, her father gets involved in the production now. So it's like, she's battling with him and like what jokes are going to make it to air? What things are they going to take out? They're constantly battling each other. And she has her, you know, writer's room of like young hip and up and, writers and you know he he is not connecting with them on any level so he brings in like his writers and it's just seeing the old writers and the young writers together in a room and like all like the inappropriate things that the old writers are saying to the younger writers it is just so fucking funny so i loved it greg did you get a chance to see this
0: I did. I saw. I saw one episode, and I really enjoyed it. Again, I I'd give it a high taste it, and that's just because again, it's a first episode can only do so much. But I found myself laughing out loud more than a few times, which is a a great sign. Again, pretty much for all the reasons you mentioned. I think the funniest thing is for me was when we see the theme song of the actual set. What was it? Step Right Up or something like that, which is an incredibly '90s name for a show, but they nailed the theme song and the opening theme like the montage so well just the feel of those abc what was it like abc friday nights when you had full house and family matters and all of those shows around that time um so a lot a lot of great laughs i'd give it a high taste it
5: yeah okay yeah if you were if you're wondering like why haven't we heard matt's opinion on any of this well the rest of the shit and good pop bad pop matt doesn't have available over there so i matt, which is
4: a shame because i really wanted to watch reboot i watched the trailer for it and it looked really really good yeah. and i was quite gutted that i couldn't get to watch it so I, i'm sure it'll be on disney plus in a couple of weeks over here
5: yeah yeah definitely check it out it's fucking i think it's really good so i'll be watching this week to week because I got a kick out of it, I it actually reminded me of like without like the voiceover narration, but it actually kind of reminded me of uh, Arrested Development in a way.
4: That was exactly the same vibe I got from the trailer.
5: Yeah, it's because like they all have like this, not you know, in Arrested Development they all have like this history because they're all family, and this they have a history of like being like a sitcom family, and here they are years later and like reconnecting. So it it, it very much is like Arrested Development in that way. So. Um, I just think it'll be more bizarre and wilder as the show goes on. And one of the best lines from Paul Reiser in this is, I happen to be Eskimo brothers with Don Johnson. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Which I thought was fucking hilarious. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to be talking about Quantum Leap, the new, and it's not a reboot. They want you to know it's not a reboot. This is a sequel, but we'll be right back with uh, Quantum Leap. We are back, and yes, we are talking about the uh, sequel show to uh, Quantum Leap. The original show ran from 1989 to 1993 and told the story of Sam Beckett, a scientist who finds himself trapped in time after a botched experiment forcing him to leap from body to body. The new Quantum Leap sequel takes place 30 years after Dr. Sam Beckett disappears into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and centers around a new character, Dr. Ben Song, played by Raymond Lee. Uh, Dr. Song has ultimately been tasked with leading a new team to uncover the mysteries uh, surrounding the original experiment and missing scientist Dr. Sam Beckett. He appears in Another Man's Body in the first episode in 1985 Philadelphia and finds himself in the middle of a robbery and a high-speed car chase. His only companion is a hologram from his own time, Addison, who Ben can't remember because of amnesia induced by the leap series was created by Stephen Lillian and Brian White- Winbrant, uh, with Martin Giro serving as showrunner. Uh series stars Raymond Lee as the new lead character, Caitlin Bassett, Mason Alexander, Park, uh, Nanresa Lee, and Ernie Hudson. Yes, that Ernie Hudson from Ghostbusters and The Crow. So, yeah, um, I was a huge fan. Just a little bit of history here. I was a huge fan of Quantum Leap. Even... Uh, you know, I watched it when it aired, and then even uh, going into like the early 2000s, um, I'd go back and 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 watch the the reruns. And uh, it's one of those box sets that I wish I wish I owned, but I don't have. But um, I absolutely am a huge fan of uh, of Quantum Leap, and I always wanted to see the series come back. But I wanted to see it come back. Uh, with the with the original star unfortunately that 's not the case but uh, uh i 'll ask you jake we we got the one episode they dropped it on n b c it 's also available on peacock uh, what did what did you think about quantum leap
3: mm, I had a really hard time with this show um I'm basically in the same camp you were. I I love and adore the original Quantum Leap. I, too, like, the ending is so sour when you get that final text message on screen and ever since then i've wanted to see more and um yeah this show is a continuation and not a reboot but still done without really the two principal stars i mean obviously you can't have dean stockwell and scott Bakula was very forthcoming on imdb that he or on uh, instagram that he was asked to come back and and declined Uh, he did wish the show well but he just said it wasn't in his cards to uh, do this character anymore. So they just had to make do without both characters, but still not do a reboot. And I don't know. I just, I thought the main character was the best part of it. I, I didn't mind Dr. Ben at all, but I thought the entire supporting cast just really weighed this show down with terribleness. Um, the, what Addison is like his Al And that just doesn't work for me at all. Like, Al is just so sarcastic and so funny and so technologically impaired. And I don't know, this character and the whole storyline of them being engaged and him not remembering and her trying to, like, push that memory back into focus um, just didn't work for me at all. I thought Ernie Hudson and all the people that work for him we just pathetic. Like the worst scene in the episode where the scene where Ian has like an anxiety attack and has to step away. And I'm like, what the fuck kind of quantum leap continuation is this? I just do not care about this at all. Um, not only do you have Ian having his anxiety attack, but then you have like his head of security, what Jen trying to get herself fired because she failed in one aspect of her job. And it's like, man, it's the first episode. Like, Let's see these characters at the top of their game and then kind of see their their fallings and the things they're not good at later when we've like established that we like these characters. But the way they did it, they made all the supporting cast just so unlikable and unbearable that all I re- really cared about was Dr. Ben, how he was going to get out of the situation and where he was going to go to next. And that's only like, you know 10 15 minutes of the episode and the rest of it is kind of drowned out by all this bullshit so yeah this this show didn't do it for me um it was slightly better than i thought it was going to be but yeah still not very good i'm going to give it a low taste it
5: oh my god like his version of al addison is it is it addison yeah she's awful zero charisma um it should have been ernie hudson in that role in my opinion, if we're picking would've, someone. would have been better. If we're picking someone from the cast, it should have been Ernie Hudson, in my opinion. Uh, like, it would have been way better. Um, and, uh, yeah, she cannot hold a candle to Al. Uh, I, I, I agree with you that uh, the main actor here playing Ben Song is the one reason to watch this show. And the other thing that I don't like is, is the fact that they keep – I don't want them to keep bouncing back to the quantum headquarters. Like in the original show, you barely see that.
4: That was one of the charms with the original, wasn't
5: it? Right. I mean, but in this dude, it's like they've they've got this ensemble cast that they keep flashing back to in this first episode, and oh, and they <laughs> And I'm hoping like the show will just kind of veer away from that, but I don't think so. I think in the next episode they're gonna be they're gonna be a big part of it too. And I don't think that the first story was all that interesting with like him being this bank robber and involved in all that, and like I. I think that they kind of knew that that wasn't, like, the story that's going to hook people. So, like, the big oh boy moment at the end is, like, him being launched into space, you know, part of, like, the NASA program as an astronaut. And so, like, oh, okay, we're going to get you back for a space mission. I just, man, this is, this is definitely a low taste. it, And um, it's I, I feel like if they would have offered Scott Bakula maybe, like, the main title role again— and not had him cuz i think they wanted to have this show come back and him to play like a secondary role kind of like lost lost you know in in the experiment and then he'll show up and then you know maybe maybe they were hoping that once they could get him out and then he would play the part of like the al going forward and i've always just wanted to see him back in the main role i personally keep holding out hope that Man, that Netflix would throw a bunch of money at at the people who own the rights to this and we could have competing shows.
4: <laughs> got it'd be great, wouldn't it?
5: Wouldn't it? I it'd mean hilarious. I would love competing shows. Compete like, you know, Quantum Leap and just Quantum Leap Colon, you know, the Sam Beckett whatever. I don't care, but competing shows and like this that the Scott Bakula show would just put that show to bed because that's the show that people want to see. And um
4: so and, and the beauty about the original was it was so simple. You didn't need side stories and side characters and anything else. You had Al and Sam, and that was it.
5: Yeah,
4: didn't need anything else. You know, you knew of Gushy, you knew of a couple of other people that were floating around in Al's time, but it was so simple that it was just the relationship of those two and their their mission to make the world a better place. And that was it, the charm of that. Is it gets lost in modern writing.
5: Another thing that I was kind of confused on, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but from like my remembering of the original show, when Sam leaped into someone, the person that he leaped into would go into the future and be kind of like in a debriefing room where they would talk. They'd
4: be in, they'd be in Sam's body in, the, in, uh, yeah, in, in, in a debriefing room.
5: That was correct. never even explored in this show at all. and It feels like that's not happening here. Well, and I that's mean,
0: how, yeah, that's how that's how essentially Al would give information to Sam, because yes, essentially Ziggy in this show is a fucking iPhone. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. like Yeah. Which is one of the pieces of charm that's kind of gone from this version of it. Sorry.
5: No, I want to hear your thoughts, Greg. Get in here.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I really loved Quantum Leap also growing up. I watched it in real time as appointment TV, a couple of episodes that really stand out in my memory. Um, there was the episode where Sam leaped into a chimpanzee
4: that was freaking
0: yep. fascinating. There was the episode where he leaped into Lee Harvey Oswald. Yes,
4: that was amazing. That was a scary episode.
0: Yeah, and it ends up that he was again thirty year old spoilers. He was supposed to save Jackie and not JFK. Uh, yeah, um, he ends
5: he ends up saving Jackie. He does save Jackie, Jackie. Jackie. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, also. Yeah, go ahead, Brian. I'm sorry. That's one of my favorite episodes as well. And Classic. isn't that a two-parter?
4: Yes, it was,
0: it was. either a two-parter or like an extra long. It was like an event. No, it, yeah. it was
4: a two-parter. Yeah. It was a season finale and a season and a season opener, yeah. I believe. Correct. Correct.
5: I also I love the episode. My
4: bed, in bed watching that. The episode where he four quantum the quantum leap nerds fucking. <laughs>
5: The episode where he leaped into Dr. Ruth was one of my favorites. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great one too. Um
0: I thought the finale of Quantum Leap was really well done. I thought it was really poignant. Um there was a character that was kind of a bartender that Sam meets that may yes. or may not have been like a godlike Go. figure. Yeah. Um so I'm just going to put that baggage on the shelf for a minute. And this show made me want a quantum leap into oncoming traffic. I hate it. <laughs> I, I really did not like it. Um, the, the leads lacked any sort of chemistry whatsoever. Uh, it committed the incredible sin of not earning the fact that it was set in the 80s. The characters weren't dressed right. You constantly forgot that it was in the 80s until they played 99 Balloons or some shit like that. They played Um, "Take on
3: Me." It was clearly the whatever.
0: I mean, it was just (laughs) like, oh, you know, the eighties are good because of Stranger Things. Let's put it in the eighties, and then it never earns
5: the fact that it's in the eighties. His character was dressed like Sam in Cheers the entire time.
0: I'm just going to say it right now. I I think the big mystery is, and I realize all of Scott Bakula's chatting on social media. I think they have found Sam Beckett, and that is the big mystery. Um, that is what he's trying to do. He's trying to create. He's trying to reach Sam Beckett. Um, if that's the case, I'll wait until it happens and then go back and, and watch the episode. But it just—it's just so poorly executed that I—I I can't continue with this show. It was supremely disappointing for me. I can't tell you that I've been sitting for years waiting for Quantum Leap, but I have fond memories of it, and I was excited when I heard of—I heard of the show, and it was just really really disappointing so i i have to toss it unfortunately
5: yeah no that makes sense i don't jake like if there's a promise maybe like or just a hope of of seeing scott bacula show up i mean is this something that you would continue
3: i don't know i think at this point it would have to be something really insane that he leaped into like a really good gimmick leap for me to check out another episode uh blasting off into space isn't a good enough gimmick for me to give a no. shit about next week knowing that half of it is going to be about the incompetent people working the station
5: and instead of him saying oh boy at the end doesn't he say like oh sh-, and they cut him off like he's gonna say oh shit
3: oh how tacky yes yeah, so they no. should have just had him say fucking oh boy
0: just for anyone who doesn't remember, Brian, you refer to the title card in the finale. That title card said, "Sam Beckett never found his way home." Yeah, and, that, and that's and that's how the series ended. And that, I mean, I still remember the feeling in my stomach when I saw. I mean, I'd been watching the show for five years. Right. Sam Beckett made that me so
4: mad as a kid. Yeah, if, if I, I if I watch that episode now, it will still bring me to tears.
0: It was heartbreaking. It was almost like um. The other one that stands out from that time period is the, I watched I quite like The Wonder Years. And at the end of The Wonder Years, he kind of tells you what happened to his family. You find out that his dad passed away soon yeah. after kind of the show ended. That was another just gut punch. And he didn't marry Winnie Winnie mm-hmm. married somebody else. You know, I, I those are two things I remember from show finales growing up with Sam Beckett never going home and Kevin's dad dying that were just like a, a punch to the stomach. Yeah. So in some sense, them finding Sam totally undermines that. But I still think that's what it is.
3: I remember. I, don't that. Know. I, I believe <laughs> what he's selling on his social media is I don't think it's any kind of a like trying to swerve yeah, type I, of thing. I, I, I really don't think he'll be showing up. I agree.
4: I don't think he will do it. I think because he, he, he'll probably feel it'll cheapen the show as well. It'll cheapen what he did and what he, you know, they put out. Yeah, and if he does show up and it's just, like,
3: for one episode or whatever, yeah, I guess I I would check that out. But if they plan on making him, like, a main character, I I still don't think that's enough for me to give a shit about this show unless, like, it really finds its stride in season two.
5: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I'll be – I don't think I'll be continuing – I might watch the second episode just out of morbid curiosity, but I don't think that this will be something I'll be watching week to week, sadly. Um, I saw this article about the sequel series from Dark Horizons. They said NBC launched its new Quantum Leap this past Monday, the series serving as a semi-sequel to the original 1989 show. Uh, As we know, Bakula himself has denied any involvement in the show and has wished the cast and crew good luck with the new take. The first episode confirmed the series is set in the same continuity and mentions that Sam Beckett never returned home from his leaping. That being the case, the new take brings up an immediate question in regards to Ernie Hudson's Herbert Magic Williams character who runs Project Quantum Leap in the new series. Uh, In the old series, Sam jumps into the body of a much younger Herbert Magic Williams in a third season episode. That episode unfolds during the Vietnam War with Sam as Magic, saving the life of his older brother, Tom Beckett. That brings up the obvious question as Hudson is playing the same man as the one in that episode Does he remember Sam leaping into him a few decades ago? Speaking with Collider showrunner Martin Giro says the fourth episode of the reboot will tackle that question head on. Quote, magic does explain from his point of view that leap. Ernie gives this phenomenal monologue. It's so beautiful. It might be my favorite scene of this first chunk of episodes. It's really, really special. Um. Giro also says that Deborah Pratt, the original series co-creator and voice of the AI uni, uh, unit Ziggy on that show, is not only an executive producer, but has very much been on hand for filming. Quote, she's been a real connection to the past show and is there every day with us. As a fan of the original show, I don't want to anyone to mess it up. To be able to save, De- to have Deborah, she's been banging this drum for 20 years, being like, we got to bring the show back. It's so exciting not only to do it, but to be able to do it with her. I just, the, the Ernie Hudson of it all, him playing the magic character and the fourth episode has me intrigued.
0: That's enough for me to watch that episode, I have to admit. That's a, that's a pretty cool callback. So I'll watch that episode. Do you remember that episode?
3: It's I one of my the favorites. Vietnam
0: episode was another. Yeah, I, I feel it. like that was another double. It was. A, it was a two-parter. It show. was great. He was
3: at the the basketball game. Yeah, yeah. That,
0: that was around the time that China Beach was popular. So I want I want to say that they kind of tried to leverage off of the popularity of that show. So they did like a Vietnam episode.
5: Oh yeah. Uh, what was that other Vietnam show that was on at the time? I used to fucking love it.
0: I don't, China Beach was Dana Delany. <laughs>
5: Oh, I can't remember the other hold on I'm going to pause do you guys remember Tour of Duty I don't remember I do, that not really oh I think it went on for like four seasons three seasons ran yeah. for three seasons on CBS
4: wouldn't,
5: wouldn't oh Tour of Duty was fantastic I loved that show that was one of the shows that I would watch with my dad every week fantastic show about the Vietnam War I don't remember this.
3: Yeah, I don't know. The Ernie Hudson stuff is interesting. But like as we've talked already, they're not doing the same thing where the person who he leaps into is there in the future with them. And so I, it seems weird that they would do an episode like you're describing. And also my least favorite thing about this show is the stuff that isn't the quantum leap is the actual like company and business. And I, Ernie Hudson is definitely the best character on that side of things. But – I still am just not really invested in any of those characters whatsoever.
5: I hear you. I guess, I don't know. Yeah, this is, it's not the Quantum Leap that I grew up with and loved. So it's just a a cheap ripoff, in my opinion, sadly. All right, let's jump into the next thing. Uh, Meet Cute uh, is a movie that dropped on Peacock. Uh, Sheila, a young woman grappling with suicidal thoughts, discovers that a tanning bed in a nail salon is a time machine. Traveling back 24 hours, she relives the best date of her life over and over, only to decide that her boyfriend, Gary, needs some fixing. Unaware that meddling with the past could ruin the future, Sheila goes even further back in time to turn him into the perfect man, even though he was already pretty perfect. It's directed by Alex Lehman. It stars Kaylee Cuoco as Sheila and Pete Davidson as Gary. And um, one of the quotes in this uh, in this show is he was talking about how he dated this girl named Amber, and she said nothing good ever came from a girl named Amber. And uh, I used to date it Amber, and I can 100% agree with that. So, <laughs> I just wanted to get that out of the way. Um, uh, Jake, you and I were the only ones, I believe, that watched this movie this week. What did you think about Meet Cute?
3: I thought this was a pretty fun movie. I'm going to give it a high taste. It. Um, yeah, I liked the time travel physics involved. They were they were just enough to make sense, but just loose enough to uh, have some comedy because of them. I thought both uh, Pete and Kaylee did did very good performances. Um, and yeah, it's always a good sign to me when the second half is better than the first half. And I thought that that is definitely what happened here. I thought it was a little bit of a slow start. But by the second half, I was fully invested in both these characters, what it was going to take to – right all the wrongs, um you know, I was biting my fingernails the whole time, wondering if Pete's character had already used a time machine, was gonna use the time machine, and there's a lot of built in intrigue involving that that I thought worked really well, um but I gotta say my favorite character in this whole thing was uh June at the nail salon i I thought almost every line of dialogue they gave that character had me just cracking up, and uh yeah, I think if you don't take it too seriously, this is definitely a very very enjoyable movie it's a a very brisk 90 minute movie and um yeah i I liked it quite a
5: lot i loved it i'm gonna give it a tupperware i thought that and really it comes down to um the added suicide story the her you know her character having you know sheila having suicidal thoughts and how they handled it i think that they handled it really well you know like with uh with her character and confronting Gary and, and Gary always kind of like she would she would go out on a first date with Gary and then by the end of the date she would explain that she's done this so many times with him and, and he would do something to upset her and she would just watch him leave every night and then so she'd be like oh no big deal I'll just go back the next day and have the best date of my life all over again and you won't remember any of this and you know the, it, it, there's But there's this, you know, there's a moment in this where she's where she really kind of like uh, opens up and and talks to him about how she's Mm. feeling. And you're kind of, you know, you're just waiting. You're just waiting to see how the character is going to react each of these times. I I loved it. I thought it was I loved this movie. I thought Kaylee Cuoco and Pete Davidson were great together. They had really good chemistry. And just I thought it was goofy enough, like with like the tanning bed being this time machine that you could go back and spend 24 hours in any time period if you wanted to was just like silly enough, like, you know, hot, hot tub time machine. But, but with like this whole like suicide story, I thought was really, really handled well in this. Um, yeah, uh, some
3: of the dark humor in this was absolutely hilarious. Like the fact that she had to kill herself every time she went back to the past. Yeah. That stuff was so dark, but so funny.
5: Yeah, she had to she was running herself over every day. I loved it. I loved this movie. I thought it was fantastic. I really like it. It's meat cute. You know, you look at the title and you're thinking this is just gonna be some silly rom com. And in a way, it's got rom-com fucking there are little, you know, some rom com tropes, but man, they add they add the time travel. They they add you know the killing. Um, it's it's a bizarre movie, but I really loved it. I'm gonna give it a Tupperware for meat cute, and you know, if you have Peacock, I highly recommend watching it.
3: Yeah, I don't blame you for Tupperware in this. This was a lot of fun.
5: Uh, last thing I want to talk about, I think Jake. I think again, it's just me and you on this one. It is the movie Section Eight on AMC Plus. Did you get a chance to see this? I did watch this former Special Forces soldier. Uh, it's uh, played by Ryan Quentin. Uh His character of Jake is pulled out of prison after the two people he loved the most are gone. He recruited. He was. He's recruited by a secret organization called Section Eight, which is sanctioned to eliminate any threats anywhere in the world. Um, and uh, it. Uh, he's. Uh, uh, he avenges the death of his wife and son, and then is sent to prison, pulled out by Section Eight, and then uh, uh, Sam Ramsey who leads section eight, uh, he's, he recruits him into the secret agency and sends him out on these, on these missions. And, um, uh, you think things are going to, you know, he's going to get out and things are going to be okay for this guy. And then he starts to, uh, uh, he has second thoughts on like just killing people, you know? Um, he hesitates, and so now Section Eight is after him. The movie also stars uh, Ryan. It stars Ryan Quanten, Dolph Lundgren, Dermot Mulroney, and uh, Mickey Rourke. And then Scott. I love Scott Atkins. Scott Atkins is in this movie. Um, let me just say, Jake. Um, Mickey Rourke's performance in this is fucking. <laughs> <up>. <laughs> what was he doing, man?
3: Oh my god. I he might be on drugs.
5: Dude. Dude. A hundred percent. It was oh my God. <laughs> oh my god, man. Yeah. Dude is definitely he is not a hundred percent with us, man. I think he quantum leaped into somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> um I want to hear your thoughts on Section 8, Jake. I'm curious, man. We just saw Ryan Quantin in that horror movie. What was that horror movie that we watched him in recently? The the Bathroom with J.K. Simmons?
3: Oh, uh, the, the, the Glorious.
5: Glorious, yeah. Yeah, we we liked that movie quite a bit.
3: What did you think about it? I, ha- I hated this movie did so you? much. It, <laughs> it was the biggest of toss um it felt like it was four hours long like it, it would just never fucking end. there there wasn't a twist and turn that i didn't see coming over 45 minutes before it happened um a lot of it felt like bad grand theft auto cut scenes as well too i think mickey works performance had a lot to do with that um it was just so weird like the dialogue was so fucking terrible and so cliched and uh Who's the head of Section 8? Is that Dermot Derm
5: Dermot Moroney, yeah.
3: Yeah, I mean, he, his dialogue, every second of it, is just oozing with cliches and shittiness. And I – oh, my gosh. I, and there's one scene I, I rolled my eyes so far back that I gave myself a headache was when he fights the six thugs with the wrench. And it was just so unbelievable to me, unbelievable to me. It like I said, it really felt like Grand Theft Auto Cutscenes. Um, yeah, the acting was atrocious. Um, I, I have to mention before I move on that the music in this movie is so bad. And it's uh, honestly, I think this movie could have been elevated just the tiniest bit by some quality music. It's the most like generic music score for a movie I've ever heard. Like it just so, so bad. And it's brought down what wasn't a good movie into just terrible terrible level. Um yeah, I don't know, man. I ho- I hope you didn't love this.
5: <laughs> this reminds me. This movie reminds me of like those 90s action movies that I would just rent straight off of like the the blockbuster shelf, you know?
3: And uh I kind of liked it a lot. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Yeah, with that mindset, I I could see, but I don't know. I just (laughs) – oh, yeah, this – Oof. It's just, it's
5: a simple story. It's a simple story. And yeah, I mean, this is not, this is not a thinker, thinking man's movie. This is just a throwback to like 80s and 90s action films. You've got, I mean, you know, of course they got fucking Mickey Rourke and Dolph Lundgren in it. And then, you know, for good measure, they throw in fucking Scott Adkins, who, man, I can watch that motherfucker kick all day. He is, I think he's awesome. I love
3: Scott Adkins. That was the best fight of the whole it was so good easily easily but I was just so tapped out by the time it happened that it did nothing for me
5: I'm like 30 minutes in and I'm like man I like this <laughs> it's dude I'm telling you man I'm telling you it was just a simple fucking story you got Ryan Quantin going around shooting people thugs and shit I'm just like yeah I'm into it I'm into it Mickey rourke's performance was just so ridiculous that it had me laughing and so yeah, I enjoyed the movie for what it was, man I really did it just kind of was a throw action film throwback for me I, we don't get a i mean we we get these movies, but we don't get a lot of them man so i was I was down for it
3: (laughs) is section Eight like the property thing not a thing in the entire united states because if it is i thought it was weird that that's what they would name their division and call this movie
5: yeah yeah that was weird i don't understand it either (laughs) but hey by the end of the movie man he enters section nine dude
3: oh boy oh boy that is true that is true (laughs) This movie just draws on forever to like something terrible happens to him. And like as an audience, you know what happened. But they take like four and a half minutes to like pan over and show you what happened. And I'm, I'm just like, get on with it. We see we see the blood. We know there's no drama whatsoever being built here. Ugh, yeah, this movie was laughably bad to me.
5: Oh, I loved it, man. When he stabbed that lady in the face. It's like, yeah, (laughs) in the face.
3: (laughs) Um, Matt, you should be glad that this isn't available over there.
5: Matt, you missed out on a masterpiece, sir. You missed out on some Mickey Rourke top-notch acting, man. Like, the wrestler has nothing on this. (sighs) It sounds fucking terrible. It's amazing. It's amazing. (laughs) I have a soft spot for bad action movies. What can I say?
4: Yeah. I don't mind bad action movies. It's but it's when they try and take themselves seriously that I've got an issue with them. If you, if you put out a bad action movie that knows it's a bad action movie, great. When they try and take themselves a bit too seriously, it just comes off like terribly.
5: Uh, I think there's overacting, and it comes off silly to me. And I liked it. I was down for it.
3: Mm. No, I thought they were taking themselves seriously.
5: I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's jump into that's section eight. You can watch it on AMC Plus. Uh, let's jump into the pop culture leftovers news.
1: Yeah, 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 read all about it. It's a little bit of a news, and no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo.
5: All right, uh, we've got some new developments from that Karate Kid movie that was announced last week. This article comes from Dark Horizons. New Karate Kid, not part of Cobra Kai. John Hurwitz, the co-creator of Netflix's extremely popular The Karate Kid Direct sequel series Cobra Kai, has spoken about the just-announced new The Karate Kid film from Sony Pictures. All that's known about the film, aside from its June seventh, twenty 2024 release date, is that it is a return of the original Karate Kid franchise, as opposed to the 2010 reboot or an all-new remake. Taking to Twitter to answer questions as to how this might tie into Cobra Kai, Hurwitz revealed that it doesn't. The guys and I, quote, "...the guys and I would love to make Karate Kid and Cobra Kai movies and hope to someday, but this one isn't for, from us or focused on the Cobra Kai cast. Don't know much about it, but wish it well. As of now, there are no stars or directors attached to the film." with the comments subjection, suggesting original trilogy actors and Cobra Kai stars Ralph Macchio and William Zabka are also not involved. Uh, there has been speculation online that the film could serve as a period prequel sh- uh, showcasing the early days of the late Pat Morita's famed karate master character, Mr. Miyagi, but that's not been confirmed. So, yeah, the l- update here... Uh, doesn't tell us a lot, but it is not part of Cobra Kai at all.
3: I still don't understand what the fuck this movie is. It feels like this whole thing, though, even though it has nothing to do with Cobra Kai, like its green light is purely fueled by the popularity of Cobra Kai.
4: A hundred percent. Oh yeah, it's like it, it, it's just ca- cashing in, isn't it? And I yeah, they're gonna they they're actually, gonna even ride even all that. making.
3: They're going to ride all the coattails, but they're they're not going to wear the coat at all. I mean, it
0: isn't, like, I don't know anything about it, but I wish them well, the Hollywood version of Go Fuck Yourself?
2: I, don't, yeah, I didn't basically. get that joke.
0: I mean, that just means basically the people who are running Cobra Kai have nothing to do with this. But that's sort of like the textbook, what you say when you have nothing to do with a project, but you're kind of salty about it. I
5: thought you you said something about Captain Lou Albano there, uh, Joe. What would you guys think about a Mr. Miyagi prequel? Something to do with Pat Morita's character. Uh, A prequel kind of like, you know, uh, like the Ip Man series, what they've done with Bruce Lee's master um you know Donnie Yen portraying Ip Man and I mean that went on they made 5 movies and then there's been uh, countless spin-offs of uh, of Ip Man I can count at least 2 that I've seen I'm sure there's more but do you what do you think about a Mr. Miyagi kind of uh, uh of a prequel
3: I would like that um it could be done well but it's all in the casting right like it, if they get someone good to play a young mister miyagi that i can buy is pat Morita at a young age then i think i would fall into that fiction and enjoy the movie but yeah it, it's all on the casting for that to work
4: yeah but I mean, it all depends on I mean, what, what what era of your life, you, uh, what era of his life are you talking about what what would you what would you pitch as as a a prequel to to karate kid for a miyagi story see him get see him go to war yeah and
3: then you want to see the war stuff i want to see the war i want i want like half and half i want like the first half to be him at war and the second half him him coming to terms with with what happened
4: and you know kind of so that, that's shady quite heavy going for a karate kid movie, isn't it i mean that's you know, if they're going to do it, I would just—I would suspect they're going to go right back to him learning karate from his dad. So you're going to get kind of a, a real, sense of a prequel to Karate Kid, in that you know the passing of the torch. Do you know who that's I would? That's, cool that's the classic thing they do.
0: If they did a prequel about Miyagi learning karate, I'd be all in. That's a
5: really neat concept. Do you? well. So how how young are we wanting to go with
4: with the actor then? I mean, you're, you're talking, you know,
3: uh, early teens. I would say. Okay. I was saying somewhere between like 19 and 26. Yeah,
5: I'm just trying to think like who could play. I, I mean, who could play a young Mister Miyagi and really kind of yeah. pull it off? I remember I was thinking like, man, if it, if this if they made this movie, I'd say 30 years ago, I would I would I would have given it to uh, Ernie Reyes Jr.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: That, that kid from Surf Ninjas and Red Sonia—he was incredible. Yeah,
0: probably an expensive show because you're talking about, to Jake's point, pre-World War II Japan too. So well, this is a
5: movie. This is a movie, I believe.
0: Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. sorry, movie. Mm-hmm. Probably a pricey movie. All things considered.
5: Well, I mean, ba- oh, yeah, I mean, oh. based on the pro- oh. the popularity of Cobra Kai, I don't think that they want to spare expenses on this. That with the. You know, so. But
4: if if they're piggybacking off of Cobra Kai, I don't, I don't see them doing a, a war movie with Miyagi. I think they'll they'll go before that. They'll go him learning karate from his father to give that kind of Karate kids template yeah. uh, a, a a good a good working system. You know.
5: Yeah, I like that. I like that.
4: I I would as much. I'm with Jake. I'd like to see the the Miyagi even War. I think it would be a really really poignant look into what was what happened in that time period, but I don't think they'll do it as a studio. I think they'll go before um and do a, a another well, father son teachy shit. I and
5: think. with this being like a return to the original Karate Kid, maybe they're saying that the original Karate Kid was just you know, Mr. Miyagi himself.
4: Yeah.
3: So
5: yeah, I I would not count out a Mr Miyagi prequel and him learning karate. Um yeah, it'd be kinda neat to see like a a younger Mr. Miyagi that doesn't always get it right, that has to learn, you know? Because, like, by the time we yeah. meet him in the movies, he's he's a lot... We do see him break down, man, in, in, in the first movie. And, like, one of the most heart-wrenching scenes, honestly, when he gets drunk, he's been drinking the sake. And, and you know, he's singing, um, he's singing songs, but he's singing about his dead wife. And, I mean, like, yeah, we do see him break down there, man. That was a that, fucking... That was a seriously emotional and amazing scene by Pat Morita. Yeah, you know, and but uh, uh, to see to see a young Miyagi that doesn't that may that's younger that maybe doesn't make all the right decisions and and uh,
4: well, you, you also get to see his friendship with Sato. Yeah, you, know, you get to see the stuff that he did do wrong that you do hear about in in Karate Kid two. You do get a brief history of what he what how he was as a kid. Yeah. He was very much headstrong, very much. I don't need to do this until. Stuff started to go wrong, and he had to then learn and was taught by his father. So, I think it could be really, it could be a really good movie.
5: Yeah. More martial arts news. I don't know if you guys saw this. I was kind of fucking <laughs> blown away by this. I got this from Dark Horizons. Tom Hardy wins a martial arts tournament.
4: No, idea. I didn't this see was that.
0: Amazing. I saw this. It was amazing.
4: Actor Tom been Hard- a lot of it on, on Facebook over here quite quite regularly recently.
5: Actor Tom Hardy has been making headlines today for a rather unexpected reason. The Guardian reports that the 45 year old Inception and the Dark Knight Dark Knight Rises actor shocked the crowds at a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu Open Championship held at a high school gym in the English village of Milton Keynes. The actor quietly entered the competition under his real name Edward Hardy and won all his matches speaking to the outlet a spokesperson for the championship said everyone recognized him but he was very humble and was happy to take time out for people to take photographs with him it was a real pleasure to have him compete at our event um yeah man
3: you beat my ass Mr. Hardy can I get a selfie (laughs) (laughs) man
5: do you remember like it was it a few years ago where he fucking stopped like a, a guy who stole a purse or some shit and he fucking chased the guy down and fucking yep this guy tom hardy uh is fucking incredible tom hardy is an amazing human being oh my god goes into a fucking b- b- uh, jiu-jitsu open and fucking wins all of his matches. This is insane. To be to be in that fucking room and watch that man, I would I would have loved to have seen it.
4: He, he just, How intimidating uh, would that have been? Uh, as a human being, I think he's just so focused on on what he wants to do. Like he he can just put his mind to anything, can't
5: he? Yeah, yeah. It, it, hopefully, he's still putting his mind to taboo season 2. I doubt you'll ever see that. God, they, they keep More like talking Venom about part three. It. Oh, we'll get Venom Part 3. He's definitely got his mind on Venom Part 3. I just want Taboo Season 2. But fuck, man. Yeah, Tom Hardy's fucking awesome. I fucking love Tom Hardy. Let's jump into Marvel News. Marvel News. You know what? We're deep enough into the podcast, I'm going to say this right now. If you're listening to our uh, Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power podcast, and you haven't left us an iTunes review, please leave us an iTunes review. It'd be greatly uh, appreciated. We'd love to get the five stars if you can give us the five stars. Um, If you don't think we're worthy of five stars, just don't rate us. But uh, we'd love to get... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we'd love to get the five stars. It'd be fantastic we do put, i put a lot of time into the episodes. I know Jake puts a lot of time into the episodes. Joe and Billy were all putting a lot of time and in diving into that show every week and um I mean i'll spend you know five six hours in front of the t v breaking it down. I know Billy and Joe and Jake are doing the same so uh, if you could please um just leave us uh leave us a review on iTunes and hopefully that'll uh, you know, get us a little higher in the rankings. That way more people can uh, can can listen to those. So appreciate everybody. For yeah, that listening. would be awesome. Yeah,
3: it, it's a ton of work. I mean, and not only, you know, all the work that goes into the Ring, Ring of Power podcast, but then that cuts into the time to watch the stuff for, you know, this episode. And it's not like we've we've skimped the amount of content in these episodes while we're doing the Ring of Power recap. So. Yeah, five stars, greatly appreciated.
5: Yeah, thank you.
3: Um,
5: First thing I want to talk about from Marvel News is, I don't know if I put a lot of stock into this rumor at all, but it's from the Twitter handle, at Den of Nerds. And it actually made it to Reddit on uh, one of the Marvel Studios spoilers pages. They're They're saying, if you don't want Ryan Gosling as Dr. Doom, you should let Feige know ASAP. I'm not buying that he's going with Ryan Gosling, or that, that I'm not
3: buying it. Nah, don't see it. Yeah, I can't see it either. I honestly can't say that that would make me terribly upset, though. I I
5: think Ryan Gosling's a fantastic actor. Yeah,
3: I love You're, Ryan Gosling. <laughs> he's a great actor.
0: Are they going to cover up his face for the next five years?
5: If they're doing mm, it, if I it,
0: think we're going to see Doom's face. I mean, we'll see his face, but eventually he's going to be disfigured. Yeah. Right? You know, yeah. it's just hard to imagine. I, I, You know, I'm curious if Doom is not a marquee actor for that reason. I mean, you can't do what they did with Tony Stark, which constantly have Iron Man outside of the armor. You can't do that with Doom. We're not going to see Doom's face after he's disfigured.
5: So who do you get in that role? I mean, the only name that kind of comes to mind for me is like, you know, a guy that they've already got the voice For them before would be uh, Ross Marquand, who did uh, the voice for the Red Skull in Infinity War. And I think he's a great voice actor on top of being a great actor. I I love his portrayal as Aaron on The Walking Dead. And um, I mean, if you're just going to get a guy who's going to be comfortable just to be a voice behind a mask, Ross Marquand would be up there on the list. I'm not saying that's who they're going to get, but he'd be up there.
3: It's really I don't, interesting. Go ahead, Jake. I was just going to say, I'm not familiar enough with the actor to have a real valid opinion. I mean, obviously, I've seen the, the Red Skull portrayal, and there was nothing wrong with that. But, yeah, I'm not a Walking Dead guy, so I really am not too familiar with, with I'm speaking, this
5: guy. I'm speaking to his voice acting credits. And, and, and what I mean by that is like he's very much like a, a chameleon when it comes to voice acting. I'd put him up there with Mark Hamill as far as like his voice acting. So Okay.
3: I don't know. I kind of want, I know Greg's saying that we don't need a big name actor because of what we're going to do. You know, we're going to cover his face and all that, but I kind of do want a big name actor for doom. I I think you can bring a lot out of it, even if you are, you know, covered with a mask, there's still plenty for it. And that just makes the acting even harder.
0: Mm. It's interesting if you think about it. So we're getting Wakanda forever on November 11th, right? And there's a lot of Obviously, rumor that you've talked about where yeah. we're getting a post-credit scene with Doom. Yeah, time is sh- if they don't have this role cast, time is super short. I have to
3: assume because they
0: would probably I mean, we didn't have
3: Thanos, Thanos cast at the yeah. End. I mean, they've already got him masked. I guess
0: they depends on where, they where they we're
3: gonna
4: want.
0: Gonna,
3: Yeah, we're gonna hear the character or see just see the character. We might
5: know? we might just see like you know like
3: a gauntlet or something like that. A logo, a mask. Yeah, I, I was like, just even be the mask or the hood.
5: I was just thinking we we might see like, yeah, like, uh, you know, part of the armor, not, not, you know what I mean? So it's not like we even have to see like the final look of like, you know, the mask or anything. So,
0: yeah, that leaked cinematic or animatic, whatever it's called, did show the full armor, but it was a placeholder and it was like generic Dr. Doom armor, you know? Yeah. But it suggested we're going to see a full look at him.
3: We We could also just see a Doombot. Like, a Doombot would be enough to establish we've got Dr. Doom, but still not be the real Dr. Doom. I mean... Yeah.
5: Yeah. The next rumor comes from Casey Walsh on Twitter. And he says, When this finally gets officially announced, let's see who remembers where it was reported first. Just like Nova, Thunderbolts, X-Men 97. And he's talking about She-Hulk... Appearing in Captain America: New World Order, he's calling it. He's saying She Hulk is going to be in Captain America: New World Order. With the rumors that we've heard, it makes sense that she would be showing up in Captain America: New World Order, with Leader being in the movie. And uh, so, yeah, I I do I I buy it.
4: I'm buying it. Yeah, I buy this yeah. as well. Wouldn't surprise me either.
0: Now Thank are we getting Moon Knight too? Are we are we getting She-Hulk and Moon Knight if you believe previous rumors? Cuz it's getting pretty big if that's the case. You think Moon Knight's in the Captain America movie? It was just a previous string of rumors that we were getting Moon Knight. Maybe that's baloney, I don't know.
5: Nah, it's it's definitely a rumor. I mean, it's I mean we've reported it on this show that I've seen it out there as a rumor.
3: Yeah, I don't smell that as much as I smell the She-Hulk showing up.
0: She-Hulk makes more story sense if it's a bunch of Hulks that, you know, and the leader's the villain, right? It makes sense for She-Hulk to be there.
5: The rumor was, uh, and this was my time to shine hello on Twitter, not about Moon Knight, but the rumor that that she reported was She-Hulk. And yeah, she reported this too. Uh, She-Hulk and Captain America... No, no, no. She reported... Excuse me, I read this wrong. She-Hulk and Captain America New World Order are leading to a new big Hulk project. And then she said, expect more Hulks in Captain America New World Order, to which we didn't bring up She-Hulk, but we did talk about possibly Liv Tyler returning as Betty Ross and becoming the Red She-Hulk. So, um, yeah, man, we could get... uh, It'd be amazing to see... uh, First off, it'd be amazing to see She-Hulk with big budget effects behind her for once. Mm. Number two, two, it would be amazing to see two female hulks battling it out in this Captain America movie. I fucking, I'm down for it.
3: Yeah, so, two two female hulks, huh? Who who would they be? Liv
5: Tyler, possibly. I, oh, Liv. T- I, okay. It's speculation. It's speculation. I, I mean, they said if. We've all, listen, we've all thought for years that Ross was going to be Red Hulk. We've thought it for years. And I really do feel like if William Hurt was still with us, this would be the movie to do it. He's not. They're not making him Red Hulk. They're not recasting. So what do you do if the rumor is expect more Hulks? What do you do? You can get possibly Liv Tyler to return as Betty Ross and play the Red She-Hulk. We recently saw Jane Foster return as Mighty Thor. I don't think there's it's I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. If we're getting if we're getting leader, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for Liv Tyler to get signed back on as this character and come back and play the Red She-Hulk.
3: No, I think she would also be extremely game to do this, too. I don't think there's ever been any ill will with her and the MCU. Um I think if they said, hey, we've got something for you in a new MCU movie, she would be very game. I can't see why she wouldn't.
5: Yeah. I mean, between her and Natalie Portman, you'd think Natalie Portman would be the one that would be like, no, I'm out. Forget it. Oh, oh,
3: oh, 100 percent. Because you heard about so much like ill will about how she felt about her portrayal of her character in the first two movies, how she was pretty much a throwaway line in the Avengers movie. There was definitely lots of commentary from her about her distaste for what they did with her character. Um, yeah, I mean, you've heard none of that from Liv Tyler. Um, you know, she does a lot of fun projects, too. Like, she's she's game. I mean, this is, you know, she did Armageddon. She did Lord of the Rings movies. I, I think this is right up her alley, and I think she would love to come back.
5: Yeah, I agree, man. I, I think it'd be amazing to see two female hulks battling it out on the screen, and I think audiences is, would lose their shit when Jen Walters shows up and has to battle the Red She-Hulk, I think it'd be amazing. And I I mean, it definitely seems Especially like... he with
4: big budget effects.
5: Big budget effects. And what would be nice is they'll be able to take those big budget effects for the She-Hulk and then... Uh, put that into season two and she'll look a lot better because they'll have a lot of that kind of mapped out
3: on a big budget and that's what <laughs> it would be fun to have her, jennifer walters comment on how much better she looks yeah, yeah. Too. like freeze frame and talk about the effects being better <laughs> that would be great so, yeah it
0: does it does make me wonder a little bit you know how they would always joke that like captain america the winter winter soldier was like avengers 2.1 and then Civil War was event like the Captain America movies were basically like very Avengers adjacent.
5: If yeah, you know. yeah, like yeah. Avengers like stepping stones.
0: Is is that what we're going to see? Where you start to see because you know there are no Avengers right now. Are you going to start to see the kernels of Avengers being reformed in this next cat movie? I, I don't know.
3: I, I think all signs so. point to yes because I mean we've already talked about how this could very potentially be a big Hulk jumping off point, and Hulk is very like yeah. Right there, you know, entangled with all the Avengers storylines. Right. So I very much think it will be a stepping stone to the next phase yeah. of the
4: Avengers.
0: We're going to see our new Falcon in the next movie, too, I assume.
4: Yeah, yeah and Rune that'll probably be around this week, isn't it, actually? That'll, yeah.
5: pr- that'll probably be that Danny Ramirez actor, correct? Yeah. 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 And
0: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a bold prediction. I don't think we get Bucky in this movie. I think obviously we're going to get Bucky and Thunderbolts, but I wouldn't be surprised if Bucky's not part of Cap 4.
3: I agree. I agree. Um, He might be in it for like a scene, maybe like a phone call. Or I, I definitely think at at least he'll get a name drop.
0: Yeah, but he's got his own stuff going
3: on maybe
2: now.
5: I think it'd be great if they did like a quick FaceTime. That way you don't have fans. That's
3: what I was smelling as well. That way
5: you don't have fans going, you know, where's Bucky in all this? Maybe Bucky is like, you know, like, listen, and and, and Bucky teases the Thunderbolts project to Sam, or he's got to be, or he can't even say anything. And, you know, and Sam's like, why are you, why are you so secretive or something? So... Yeah.
3: Yeah. It'd be fun for Sam just to call him for advice. Like, that'd be a great callback to where their relationship started yeah. and where it ended up. Just yeah. to see Sam being the one to reach out to Bucky for advice.
5: Do we get Falcon and Winter Soldiers season two? I'm going to guess no. I think we I, should. I think, yeah.
0: I'd prefer to see Isaiah Bradley's story personally. I, I just don't think we need another Falcon in the Winter Soldier season when we've got Cap 4 coming.
5: Well, Isaiah Bradley is showing up. Uh, Carl Lumley's character is showing up in New World Order.
0: Yeah. I just want I, – I still want to see his – I want to see his history on screen personally.
5: I just thought that I I, I thought the two leads, I thought, you know, Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan had great chemistry. I'd like to see a season two kind of like, you know, after the event. Oh, I
3: would I would like it if the question is what I like a season two, then 100 percent. Yes, that show was a, a very welcome surprise to how much I enjoyed it. And yeah, a lot of it had to do with the chemistry between the two actors. And I mean, we know that behind the scenes, those two have really developed an actual legit friendship. Like they're they're just hilarious. Anytime you saw them on press together or interviews together or on any kind of award show together, like you can just like they ooze friendship between the two of them. They're They're absolutely hilarious together. So would I like to see more of them together in another season? Yes, but I don't know. I feel like the story is kind of making them walk two separate ways now. I wouldn't be surprised if the next time these two characters meet up, they're once again on opposing sides. Also, yeah.
0: like yeah. Sam is Captain America now. You're not going to have a show called Captain America: and The Winter Soldier. No, Just you could rename it. it. You it's could rename it. Big
5: screen property. You know what I mean? You could rename it. You could rename it. Yeah. Just call it Captain America. Whatever. I I, I don't know if that he. We'll see how this movie works if he's grown out of doing like a TV show. So yeah, you
0: could be right. That's what I'm kind of wondering. Like, I think it's more likely to get like Bucky and the new Falcon than we're going to get Sam Wilson as Cap on the small screen again. Personally,
5: no, that's a good point. That's a good point. I guess it's just wishful thinking on my part. Um, Yeah. The show that you kind of pitched, Greg, is interesting and a very heavy show. I wonder if that would be like if they would put that on Disney Plus, like the Isaiah Bradley kind of, you know, uh, like a like a prequel series. I, I I I'm down for it. I would love to see it, man. It'd be it'd be a heavy show, though.
3: Yeah, for sure. That's a good point. I do agree with Greg that I would like to see that actually like filmed like, that story rather than just, like, some throwaway lines of dialogue explaining how he got to that point.
5: I got some Echo details. Apparently, from a reputable source, uh, Geek Vibes Nation put this out on their website. Echo story details revealed including Daredevil and the Punisher. So this is what they say in their scoop here after the events of Hawkeye fans were left wondering the fate of Wilson Wilson Fisk aka the Kingpin fans are wondering what would happen with Maya we knew that Maya aka Echo would be getting her own Disney Plus series though we were not sure if it would be a flashback or current timeline Uh, thanks to a source close to Geek Vibes Nation we have learned that the series will shift from the past to the present the series will focus on Maya returning to her hometown to reconnect with her friends and family, but old enemies surface and are looking for Maya and Kingpin. The villains of the series will be the Black Knife Cartel who want revenge on both Echo and Kingpin. Kingpin and Maya reunite to stop a common enemy. In the Did you did you hear what I just said Kingpin and Maya reunite to stop a common enemy. In the comics, the Black Knife cartel was led by the sadistic drug lord Theodore Zarko. Uh, they were the suppliers for every known criminal organization in the United States. We will also see in a flashback how a car accident left Maya with only one leg and claimed the life of her mother. Charlie Cox is set to return as Matt Murdock, a.k.a. Daredevil, for two episodes, one of which will be a flashback which shows how Matt and Maya met for the first time. Charlie Cox will be wearing the red suit he was first seen wearing in the Netflix series. Murdoch in the present will ask for Maya's help in locating the Punisher. The story originally was Matt looking for Jessica Jones, but due to scheduling conflicts, Kristen Ritter was not able to film. This would mean John Bernthal is back as the Punisher and could potentially lead into his return on screen in Daredevil Born Again. And uh, after they posted this on Reddit, someone who is familiar with this rumor said, Have not heard of this source before today, but I can confirm that this is true. I've been hinting that Echo will reveal for certainty the canon status of Daredevil. This is what I meant. Flashbacks to Daredevil's timeline, meeting Maya with the red Netflix suit. If Fisk is in prison, the show is canon. If he's not, it's a retool. And they say, also, Fisk is in four episodes, Matt is in two, and they don't meet all... And they don't meet at all in Echo. So, Charlie Cox's Daredevil will not meet the Kingpin in the Echo series. And I think it's also interesting that this, that this, this scoop says that they have a they have an enemy, a common enemy, in the Black Knife cartel, and Kingpin and Maya are going to be kind of forced to reunite to stop them. So this kind of like stalls that story between them. So like the, you know, King her wanting to get vengeance on him, and now him wanting to get vengeance on her after the attack, that's got to be put on hold. I think this all leads into maybe Maya showing up a little bit into the Daredevil Born Again series, too. You got to think that there's got to be some other people popping up in that Born Again series with it being fucking 18. Was it 18 episodes?
3: Yeah, all those episodes. It, it would be no shock that the Echo stuff would carry over a little bit into it. I, I see it as well. Yeah. I I kind of like the storyline of uh, Kingpin and Echo happen to. Bury the past and, and unite again. I, I, that really sells whatever the faction or person is they're uniting against as like a really big threat. Just the fact that these two characters have to put their past aside and and team up. I sounds really cool.
5: I love the scoop too. I'm here yeah. for it. That sounds that sounds like this could be really good.
0: I'm still struggling though with how the hell you do the Punisher in the MCU. I just can't imagine how. They pull that off. Yeah. You know? Like at the end of this is something nobody talks about. At the end of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, if you notice, Bucky doesn't even use guns anymore. Did you notice that?
5: Oh my God. He's yeah. running
0: around just with the arm and doing stuff. I, I just i'm struggling to see how we see the punisher from the comics in any way actualized on screen and if you follow comic book news he's kind of like the leader of the hand now and he uses swords and all of that stuff but i you know if they figure out a way to pull it off power to him i'm just struggling to see how it's even possible
3: i agree with greg daredevil's one thing but the punisher like Every essence of that character is is rooted in R rated, like almost every Inception. Yeah. I mean, other than when he meets Archie, it's pretty much all R rated. This isn't a political stance; it's problematic
0: today. You know, there's just stuff there that's problematic,
3: right? Yeah,
5: exactly. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, maybe they'll just they'll probably have to reinvent the character if they're if they're.
0: I mean, do you give him space guns? I, I don't know. I, I mean, it's all the shit. You know, <laughs> remember in the late 90s when the Punisher, it was in the um, Marvel Knights series. He had like these angel guns that he pulled from a trench. cut. Co- I,
3: I remember I, that.
0: Yeah, I, yeah. And it was panned or I, I, I have no idea what they're going to do, but it's very, very hard to see them pulling off unless they give us tiny, tiny doses of Punisher and he's only fighting like robots or hand ninjas that aren't really alive or. Something like that. I just – you're not going to see the Punisher gunning down criminals in the MCU. I guarantee there's no way. Did
3: you guys ever read the Rick Remender Punisher run? Franken Castle, right? Yeah, Wolverine's son cuts him up into 100 pieces and kicks him off a roof. I was just
5: going to bring up Franken Punisher.
3: Yeah, he gets brought down and sewn together and made into Franken Punisher. That that yep. storyline is actually really, really cool. Oh, I love it. Franken Punisher is a awesome. big fan of like all the the Marvel monsters, and everyone like comes into play during that storyline.
5: I love Franken Punisher. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. I'm excited for, I'm actually more excited for the Echo series now after reading these scoops, if they are true. And I mean, uh, it was, it was, uh, these scoops were passed by the mods on, uh, Marvel Studios spoilers. So I would look for this stuff to possibly happen. I think it, I think it's brilliant. I think it kind of puts a a stall on the whole like vengeance route that she's going after and he's going after Mm -hmm. and they have to put their focus on a common enemy. And I think it'll be fun. I agree. Yeah uh let's see here i think the final th- actually i think the final thing um no i got a couple more things um geek vibes nation they also put this out there they didn't really get into it too much but they're, they're hearing that marvel's blade will take place from 1900 until 1980
3: hmm, that's cool
5: yeah but like it'll be interesting to see the marvel timeline now when they put that movie in there right
3: yeah, I just – I don't know. I see it as kind of how they did with Captain Marvel where we see all this establishing stuff with the character, and then the next time we see him, it'll be like in a modern thing. No, I but get it. All,
5: yeah. I, I get it. It's just it wasn't what I was expecting.
3: Yeah, it, I like it. I, I, like, I like that idea a lot. I hope we don't spend too much time in the really, really far back past, though. I, I find that stuff to be a little bit tedious.
5: I just – it just – are they making Blade from nineteen hundred, or are we going back and looking at the history of vampires before we get? Are we going back and looking at at
3: Dracula back in nineteen hundred? I mean, or yeah, I lean towards that. I, I think Blade is going to introduce vampires in the MCU, like the actual lore of them. And so I lean towards what you're saying there, where we're not necessarily we're not seeing Blade. Back in those times, but we're seeing like the the creation of the MCU vampire and building up the threat that Blade will have to fight.
5: Yeah, if if the villain is Dracula, which is the rumor, I think it'd be a lot. Well, I think it'd go far. You think it'd go farther back than 1900?
3: Yeah, hopefully we get a we get a Moon Knight guest appearance in that. If Dracula's in there, Moon Knight wants his fucking money back. <laughs>
5: <laughs> so yeah that's the rumor there Fantastic Four uh, sets its writers this comes from Dark Horizons uh, we get uh, Marvel Studios has set Jeff Kaplan and Ian Springer from Disaster Wedding what is that no idea anybody sounds familiar, like a
3: reality show
5: anybody familiar with Disaster it's, I don't know never heard of it sounds like straight to video
4: yeah
3: I'm googling wedding. it Movie. It's not even coming up. It's just coming up with actual fucking wedding disasters. Yeah, so I've got
4: <laughs> wedding disaster episode one, two, three, four, finale, all on YouTube. Is it called Disaster Wedding?
5: Uh, yeah, they put Wed- uh they I'm sorry, the, the article
4: Disaster Wedding IMDB. Here we go.
5: Yeah, disaster wedding. Did I say wedding disasters? Yes. Okay, I fucked up. I'm a disaster. <laughs>
4: well, it's, yeah, it's, it's okay. Really it's, okay. it's in pre-production. Yeah, correct.
5: Oh, so it's not even fucking out yet.
4: No. Okay. There's nothing about it. It's, it's not got a cast. It's got nothing. It's just literally... Yeah. It's, it's, be, it's <laughs> being produced by Warner Brothers. According, oh, there to,
3: go. according to the deadline... We'll, that,
4: we'll never see it, probably. It's, it's a Superman prequel.
5: <laughs> Are you, did you mean Man of Steel prequel?
4: No. Okay. But Mama My, still doesn't exist. Oh, <laughs> it, oh.
5: it does and it's amazing. Uh according to the deadline, the writing duo, <laughs> the writing duo have actually been involved with the project even before director Matt Shakman came on board. The pair have been working alongside Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige to outline how this next series of films will fit into the MCU. And um yeah, so we got our writers here. Man, I wish there was a lot more. I mean, I I to know about these writers, but uh have they have they written anything else other than this this movie that hasn't even come out yet
3: not that i can see
0: it it does make me think with marvel's track record though they must have something interesting to say about this property to have virtually no track record and to be in the position that they're in you know and i'm definitely playing off the russo brothers history there but I don't know. I think it's really interesting when Marvel plucks an obscure writer, director, whomever. It uh, just maybe they get the property.
5: Jeff Kaplan had worked on the animated series Burton and Birdie. He is known for Bert. No, Burton and Arnie's. Bert
4: and Arnie's. Geez, I can't.
5: The Bert and Arnie's Friendship. Guide to Friendship. I can't get anything out right today. Wedding disaster, disaster wedding. Burton and Ernie, Bert and Arnie, Bert and Birdie. I don't know what the fuck I'm saying today. Lou Albano.
4: Like they're also involved <laughs> in K-pop Lost in America.
5: <laughs> it
3: looks like Disaster Wedding is being directed by Max who who is the guy that directed Palm Springs. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, I loved it too. It was one of my favorites of that year. Mm-hmm. Um, the script is being rewritten by Dave Holstein, based off an original draft by Jeff Kaplan and Ian Springer. Uh, all plot details are being kept under wraps. Uh, It's worth noting that Palm Springs was also about a disastrous wedding that resulted in its two stars becoming trapped. Okay, blah, 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 blah. Now they're just reiterating Palm Springs. So it looks like, yeah, Max Barbacow, who directed Palm Springs, is involved with Disaster Wedding, which, you know, is already being rewritten from that original Jeff Kaplan treatment. So give credit.
5: Give credit to your source. Who are you reading that from?
3: Uh, just right off of IMDb. Uh, okay, IMDb. Uh, the full article was posted on The Wrap.
5: The Wrap. Okay.
4: So it's pretty incredible. The, the, oh yeah. The writers have got seven writing credits, two director credits, and an actor credit, and that's it.
5: Wow these are these are pretty unknowns then. So
4: they are absolutely unknowns. I mean they've they've been working since two thousand and four. Yeah. So they did uh, Love and Adventure in New York in two thousand and four, which is a short movie. Uh, one episode of Atom TV in 2008 Burton Arnie's Guide to Friendship in 2013 and The Last of the Great Romantics in 2014 and then the next three things are all in pre-production which is fantastic for K-pop Lost in America and Disaster Wedding Hmm.
5: Yeah, unknowns, so, yeah, uh, who knows what we're going to... Hopefully, man, these are, like, the next big finds as far as, like, you know, writers, and they'll be able to rely on these guys just like they've been able to rely on, uh you know, Stephen Marcus and... Uh, what was it? Marcus and McFeely.
0: Marcus and McFeely, yeah. Yeah.
5: So... We'll see. That is all we have, gentlemen. I mean, it was kind of a slow week. I don't know uh, if you guys saw anything else out there, but it was. I was trying to scrounge up some news, and, and I did the best I could this week. It's been kind of slow, so.
3: Yeah, I can't think of any real breaking news that I saw this week, honestly. No, it's been quiet.
5: Mm. Speaking of quiet... <laughs> I had eight seconds a few weeks ago, right, Jake?
3: Yeah, that was a long eight seconds. It was seconds eight of my seconds life. to listen to as well.
5: <laughs> it was ridiculous, man. It was... <laughs> Jesus. I know, I shouldn't be bringing it
4: but, but credit to you, you didn't cut it out. Could have edited it out, but you didn't.
5: No, I, I mean, once we started talking about eight seconds so much, how can you fucking take it out at that point, Matt?
3: Yeah, you would look stupid. Like, if you edit out yeah. the the gap, and then you complain about it, you would, it would, you'd make yourself look like an idiot
5: i was like what are you talking about there was no gap there buddy what are you
3: talking yeah, about brian's really overreacting here it was like half a second yeah
5: <laughs> gap was ridiculous though it reminded me of david letterman's smile it was fucking <laughs> <laughs> anyway that is all i have i want to thank our guest. i want to thank you matt kirby for joining us on this one man
4: thank you for having me it's been fun as always
5: Absolutely. Hopefully next time we have you on, we'll be able to watch some more shit. But it was an easy week for you. I
4: uh, don't know. It wasn't that easy. Uh,
5: show. On the show side.
4: On the, yeah, on the show side. But, yeah, yeah. we <laughs> That got real real there all of a
5: sudden. <laughs> Matt's like, man, I pushed out fucking 14 kidney stones this week, you motherfucker. All right. Did I? Are you guys here? Hello?
3: Yes. I'm here. You pushed yeah, out a lot good. of kidney stones.
5: Oh, gee, fuck you guys. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I fucking hate you guys this episode. Zero
2: fucking. <laughs> I was. Wow.
5: Smiling. Huh? I was smiling. No, thanks for the fucking. Oh, that that sh- really thanks.
3: conveys really well on a podcast. Yeah.
5: Yeah. <laughs> Just, why not you just send me the fucking smiling emoji while you're at it? That'll do nothing. <laughs> Fuck you guys. I'm fucking done. Greg, where can people find you talking and, and reacting to shit?
0: Uh, I have a YouTube channel called Amazing Home Projects with Andy Greg. I recently branched out into the product review genre. And my most recent episode, I re- reviewed the Zule Home Kitchen Pineapple Core. So check it out.
5: Right, I'm, I'm done. I'm out of here. Fuck you guys. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. I don't even care. I don't even care if Jake can get the ending right this week. I'm just gonna fucking blow through it. And until next week, we're putting a lid Put on a it. Lid fuck on. off, Jake. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you too, Greg.
2: What?
0: did I do? I didn't do anything.
5: <laughs> Matt, you can go fuck yourself too. <laughs> I
4: didn't do anything. I feel included. <laughs> Aww.
5: <laughs> I Tupperware that. All right, we'll see you next week. (laughs) (sighs) Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to
0: reach
3: the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or
0: like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that.
1: There's already like 7 million podcasts. Talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a brad. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps by the cool kids. It, it,
3: it's a trap.
1: To toss it, to taste it, do we love it? Hey, let's face it, embrace it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover over. Culture push over pop culture and leftovers and with the uncool kids. What's this say's already been said? up Pretty yeah. sure that the only talent is the band that's singing. this hot culture leftovers. That original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the chaff. And we're the chaff, the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toxic, good Do we love it? Hey, let's make it let embrace it, let's embrace it, Tupperware party. Subculture culture spill over like a vulture, carry over to culture, burst over. Pop culture, leftover. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftover, are you sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this? Pop culture, leftover. Security, do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't embrace it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushovers, pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftovers, sure. And the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.